0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, folks around the world, welcome back to Hot Takes Only. This is episode 51. Welcome back, everybody. It is September 8th, 2022, as we sit down and record this podcast. By the time you hear it, it'll be the 9th Eastern Time, Pacific Time, wherever you are in the world. Willie, so good to have you back, my guy. It's been a little bit between some illness, some travel, haven't been able to yeah. have a podcast in a little bit, but we are back with approximately one month left in the season of Major League Baseball. Football is back today, Willie, but in classic fashion, we are going to ignore it completely because <laughs> neither one of our teams are playing and and the Falcons are, are such a dumpster fire that I just don't feel like talking about football. We'll maybe get to it later in the in the season, maybe later in the year. But for now, the focus is on baseball. One month left of the season yeah. what do we got going on? What is what is going on in baseball, Willie?
1: There, I mean, there's a lot going on. Uh, I think that um, for me, if I had to say top of the for the viewers, I think if there's one storyline to follow, in my personal opinion, you know, last couple shows we talked about Tatis, and it was looking for a while that the Padres were wobbling a little bit, and it was for me. You know, look, there's a lot going on. We can talk about Daniel East, for example. But for me, the number one biggest story is, barring a big collapse, it does look like the Padres have enough to sneak in the postseason. It was looking like, as the the Padres were losing a lot of games, that maybe the Brewers were going to overtake them. Um, But the Padres are a team, you know, full of drama, full of new acquisitions. And, um, you know let's see finally what this team looks like assuming that they can actually get into this new iteration of the postseason yeah and
0: as a neutral or as much of a neutral as possible i want the padres to be a in the postseason and b make a run in october i think it's just good for baseball to have new teams kind of new blood back in in the mix Mm. and For all the headlines that they grabbed by, you know, obviously the high-profile trade for Josh Bell and Juan Soto, a lot of their season has been overshadowed by just new manager, Bob Melvin, bringing some stability, bringing some experience, some know-how, but a lot of the same just underperformance from guys you would really expect to be Really outstanding. Blake Snell has been really inconsistent all year, like he was last year. I don't know if it's a mechanical thing, a mental thing, what's going on, but it seems like every inning or every time he goes out and has a, a quality start, you know, six, seven, one or two runs, maybe, you know, eight or nine punchies. It's it's three and a third, five runs, all of them earned, four walks, three straight, you know, it. it It always feels like for every one good start there's there's one really bad start, or one, you know, by his standards anyways, really, really bad. And I don't know if that's a a byproduct of being with the Rays, where pitching is such a is such an asset for them. And speaking of the Rays, we'll talk to we'll talk about them in a little bit because the last episode Willie, we mentioned how, or at least I did. I mentioned how the Yankees were still going to win the AL East. That's not a certainty anymore. <laughs> it's it's dangerously it's close not, it's
1: to not being a race. They, it, it got to within, I think, five games, and then they uh, they kind of plateaued. So I, I think they'll 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 hold on, but whether they'll do <laughs> well in their is another story. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be I mean, tight. It's, it's it's I mean, it's amazing. You know, they they Aaron Boone just kept pleading with them and they went through that huge losing streak and then finally they you know beat toronto a little bit and beat uh, oakland and then they came out here and the angels took a few games from them and you know here we are again so it's chaos
0: we'll we'll talk about the yankees a little later but
1: let me ask you about the about um about the padres
0: yeah yeah yeah. back on the padres
1: first give me your thoughts on on sean (sighs) mania
0: He Sean Manaya has been really really interesting over the last year. Mm-hmm. I think for as much I guess fanfare as has he got with the trade. Obviously he's he's a seasoned vet. He has a no hitter in his in his career, and he came from the the A's, you know, kind of mold of of you know being being with a team that had a had aspirations, but ultimately is handcuffed by. A, a disastrously low payroll and a really, really uncertain stadium situation, and that can't be good for anyone. So they traded him out of there, goes down, goes down the five all the way down to San Diego from Oakland, and lo and behold, it's just more of the same. It, and I don't mean that in the sense that the Padres... I don't mean that at all from a financial standpoint, but there just is no... I don't know what the word is. There's no... Stability within that team, from a pitching perspective. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have Manny Machado who's going to go out and give you MVP caliber numbers pretty much year in and year out. You know, at, at least in the last couple of years since Tatis has kind of emerged. But really, it hasn't been anything more than than Machado from a consistency standpoint. And I think that's what they're lacking. And and he kind of falls into that because. You know, when when Darvish isn't consistent, when Snell's not consistent, when Clevenger can't stay healthy and he's not consistent, then Minaya has to step and do the same thing. And he's not really, you know, this stuff is not swing and miss stuff of the caliber of Blake Snell or of you, Darvish. So you'd expect one of those two guys to be the guy. I mean, really, if you're you'd expect it to be Blake Snell. But... I don't know. It's just it just kind of, it, it's more of the same. Like it, it reminds me a little bit. I mean, these guys are all better pitchers. But it reminds me of, I think, the 2016 Red Sox where John Farrell, who's manager at the time, had said that they were going to go out there with five aces. You had Rick Porcello, Wade Miley. Uh, who else was on that rotation? It, it, was, a, it was a disastrous rotation. Uh, I think Rich Hill was part of it as well. Mm-hmm. It, but it, it, it was it was a dumpster fire of a rotation. Every single one of those guys was trash. i 16 I think might have been poor so maybe it was 15. I don't know. It was those those years with, with Boston before Chris Sale uh, showed up in, in, in Beantown. But God, it was a it was a disaster watching that. And this reminds me of that a little bit because there's no there's no alpha in the rotation. Like every contending team has has one guy who if you need to win one game if you're on a losing streak or you've got a really tough divisional ra- divisional game coming up you put the goal you put the ball in this guy's hand he's going to give you a quality start he's going to give you seven shut he's going to give you six shut he's going to give you double digit punches or he's going to be super efficient with his pitch count every contending team has that for the braves it's max freed for the astros it's verlander dodgers when he's healthy it's bueller it's ironically not kershaw at this point in his career because kershaw's never healthy And you go on and on and on, but the Padres don't have that right now because this iteration of Blake Snell and Hugh Darvish, these two versions of them, they're not nearly as good as as the stuff is there, but it's the consistency and the ability to go out and perform every time your team needs a big start from you. So I think Minaya kind of adds to that problem where it's a lot of really good pitchers, but there's no one like, give me the ball, we're winning this game. And sure. that's that's a really important thing to have for for any team with with not just postseason aspirations but with World Series aspirations. And you can't sit there and tell me that the Padres didn't have the World Series circled when when they started playing in twenty twenty two.
1: Absolutely, especially when you look at teams like the Mets and the Braves for yeah.
0: sure. And the Mets have two of them.
1: Yeah, so. which, <laughs> yeah, and and Degrom finally right. Been nice. But um, no, I think I think the Blake Snell, which you highlighted before, is huge. Um, obviously, in 2018, his Cy Young Award, um, he was lights out. He was exactly that guy that you'd want. And then in 2020, he had a, a, a good season as well. Obviously, I think, if I'm not getting my ears right, I know he had a good season, and that was the year they made the World Series. Yep,
0: yep, 2020.
1: So, and, you know, from as being a Cleveland fan... You know, Clevenger's got some really explosive stuff. Um, and I think you just got to get hot at the right time. Mm. You know, it's easy to look at it. I agree right now they don't have an ace. They, you know, and and I mean, who would have thought that? Um, but, you know, <laughs> Joe Musgrove would have been guy. But um, yeah,
0: he's... Yeah, I, Joe Musgrove of all the pitchers that they have in that rotation, he's the he is kind of the guy now. And and you know, I, would would anyone really in baseball, regardless of how how well he did to start the year, particularly, would anyone really go out there and say, yeah, no, he's a he's a bona fide undisputed no. ace? I don't think no, anyone he's would.
1: Not. He's not. You know, he's pitched very well, but he's not. And neither is Yu Darvish because Yu Darvish it seems like he always goes through periods. I mean, remember last season he was. So good the first half of the season mm. he was looking like a young guy. Yeah, and uh, you know he, he started to struggle. So they're a wild card. I mean, if any of those guys get hot, though, I mean, watch out. Um, but that I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on, and it, I maybe we've touched on it before. I can't remember, but we have to talk about Hater. Yeah, what's going on? with him. Right. Uh, you know what is is this a case of the yip or? So you know, there's stuff about maybe he was tipping pitches, but yeah, is, you know he's walkie, But you know, what do you what do you think? So is going on? so
0: me being the person that I am and spending a, a stupid amount of time on Twitter, I've read a lot of different things, a lot of different reports, and to me, it's a combination of the worst possible. The the just uh, the number of just terrible things that have happened all at the same time. First and foremost, Josh Hader is a human being. I know there was there was something about a lot of really insensitive tweets. Uh, uh, we'll call call a spade a spade, racist and homophobic tweets from his when when he was you know in high school. That doesn't excuse it. it it's still messed up. But mm-hmm. Josh Hader still a human being, right? And for him to apparently have a really significant issue with a newborn child him mm-hmm. and his wife are, are dealing with a really really complicated birth That's
1: situation
0: yes. and a, a awful situation I mean my brother was uh my brother was born really prematurely and you can tell yeah. I mean my brother's just turned 30 but even still my mom talks about it as one of the you know most traumatizing things she's been through and so as a, as a, my dad hasn't talked about it in the same light but you can kind of imagine it, it you know for someone who doesn't talk about his his feelings and his mental his mental health as much you can imagine it's weighing on him or it could weigh on him in some ways so there's that bit of it right that's that's huge i don't care who you are to to have to to deal with the emotion of a a newborn child in danger of of not surviving that's huge and then as a pitcher what's obviously more important than your raw talent is your mechanics and his mechanics are a little bit out of whack. They're saying his release point is a little lower, which means that his fastball isn't maintaining the same plane. His breaking ball is a little flatter. doesn't have the same bite on it. And for a guy who throws, you know, 90, 97 and 99 miles an hour, that can be lethal because major league baseball players, they can time up a 747. That's how good hitters they are. And it, when you put those two things together, coupled with being a new environment and, at that point of the season that he got traded that was the first time he was experiencing adversity kind of on the mound from a just production standpoint so you put all those things together and you get the situation that that we have right now with Hayter I think the first outing after he was effectively removed from the closers role he had a scoreless inning but or a a perfect inning but it's still it, it it's one of the biggest head scratchers I think to to kind of to try to rationalize it like someone who is so dominant for so many years at the top of his game borderline unhittable to start 2022 all of a sudden turns into one of the worst pitchers in the league not just relievers Hmm. but just worst pitchers in the league
1: yeah and i think i think you're in terms of i think you make a bunch of great points i mean the, the story about the child is out there and seems like a very tough thing So, you know, it's really tough to go through that, Mm. you know, on the, um, on the pitching side, when you're talking about the problem with his pitches and stuff, you know, I think that Hader is a guy who has a lot of power with his, you know, he throws hard and he can get a lot of swing and misses as well. And I think, you know, I've read some stuff about how he struggled with his fastball, you know, and, um. Yeah, I think when you, you know, when you're a guy that doesn't nibble and is going to pound the zone, as I said, and and you don't, you're struggling with some pitches, you know, that leaves you vulnerable to lots of hits against you. You know, conversely, Blake Snell is obviously very known for not throwing in the strike zone. (laughs) So, you know, like, yeah, it's when you do that, it's a, it's a problem, but I mean, I got to tell you, Owen, that um, we know about, we talk at length about the importance of the bullpen. Man. Just look no further than the Braves last year, who had a, a few headed monster uh, to win the, the World Series. And uh, that was, the, I mean, when that happened, you thought, wow, maybe a change of scenery is going to help here. Maybe just, you know, being on a really exciting team would help. But that's the. He he's, is maybe the biggest swing piece because, you know, watch out if him and, you know, and Taylor Rodgers can get going, you know?
0: Yep. Yep. I agree. Well, Taylor Rodgers, he went the other way.
1: Yeah. That's so right. For, for Milwaukee.
0: Right. Speaking of which. That's right. So to, to move on from the Padres, Willie, do the Padres make the postseason? And if so, how far do they go?
1: I do. Um, I think uh, they will hold on against the Brewers. Um, there, if I'm not mistaken, right? They're the seven seed, so they'll play the two seed, um, which you know could be either Atlanta or um, New York. Um, which I'd love to get your take on, but I do feel like Atlanta is going to win the division. So. I would say, to me, I mean, you know, it depends on the draw, and in my opinion, um, I think that Atlanta is the best team in the MLB, so sorry to jinx it but I, uh, I'm, I'm less
0: concerned with the jinx. I'm more, I'm more concerned that that should have stayed. That should have stayed until the hot take segment. <laughs> no, I don't think it's a hot take. <laughs> I think I, it's a pretty I, hot take, even as a Braves fan, even as well as they've been playing since June 1st, yeah, but yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll table that. Well, but in uh, in continue honesty, this train of thought on, in um,
1: honesty, um, I, I, I do think they'll go, they'll go down in round one. I think either way, it's going to be a really tough matchup, especially in a really short series. when, the Mets have such great pitching, so you know. Yeah. yeah. Either way, I think they'll they'll lose. Huh.
0: well. You know, I you know I have this same sentiment with the Mariners, and, and I do want to talk about the Mariners as well because there's the I don't think we mentioned this extra inning game a, a little while back earlier in August between the Mariners and the Yankees. It was one of the one of the best games of baseball I've, I've watched from a pure yeah. defensive standpoint and pitching standpoint. And Scott Service, who, the you know longtime manager of the Mariners, he said the exact same thing. So I want to talk about that game in a little bit, but I have the same sentiment with the, the Padres and the Mariners. I want them both to make the playoffs and make runs at it. And the same with the Blue Jays. I want, you know, for, for as a neutral, I want to see new teams get back involved again. The Blue Jays haven't been in the playoffs since, what, 2015, 16? Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the last time the Padres made it in 2020, but they didn't really do much. Uh, and then, or they they beat the Cardinals in the two out of three. But then they... I
1: remember, um, I'm I, who are they playing? I remember that the Blue Jays played last time they were in the postseason. They played a really epic game in the postseason. Yeah,
0: they beat uh, they beat Baltimore in the wild card game right. in 2015, or was it 2016? 2015 oh. was the year they they beat Texas. And Bautista oh, yeah. had that crazy that crazy yeah. bat flip. That's it's right. One of the t- best yeah. bat flips of all time.
1: That's little, yeah. Yeah, um, so
0: that was 2015. So I guess it was 2016, the last time they in the postseason. Baltimore.
1: Yeah, I think that's right.
0: Yeah, yeah. them and Baltimore. And Baltimore, too. That would be that would be a lot of fun if they were to squeak their way yeah. into the postseason. I mean, they but, would come with the expense... Let's
1: actually talk about that for a second, Owen. Um, yeah. That is maybe the biggest story, um, even if they don't have enough to... Hmm. Make the postseason. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that they are so have had a really good season. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are your thoughts on that?
0: No, I, I, it's it's a one of the surprises of the year, and B just j- objectively a good story because it speaks to how sometimes sometimes teams' windows open earlier than you expect. I mean, I don't think anyone was expecting the blue the not the Blue Jays the Orioles to to make any sort of play. Playoff noise, let alone be this close to the postseason. I mean, we'll look at the standings right now. This late in the season, yeah. and and here they are, right outside of of being in in contention for wild card spot. They are four and a half game back of a wild card spot. They've been on a little bit of a skid lately, but they have a winning record right now. I mean, if they win ten games, Willie, they will have a five hundred record, mm-hmm. or a, a winning record rather. If they win ten games, that means they will have a winning record in 2022 You, if you told me that in April I would have slapped you senseless and mm-hmm. I don't condone violence in any way this is a, a figure of speech folks but still it's just it's so bizarre to me that that could have happened it's just so bizarre mm-hmm.
1: yeah. yeah no I, I think I don't I mean they were I'd love to total the stats but i'm sure since 2016 they're they probably had the worst record in the mlb cumulatively yeah and right? so, oh, well maybe kansas city
0: yeah and, but, and the other part is adley rutschman mm. has been one of the best if not the best catcher in baseball since he came up and that to me is is it's incredible to, to see not not just the the season that he's having but the impact he's had at such a premium position because it affects the whole team if you have a a, a catcher I mean just look at how good the Cardinals have been the whole time that yadi molina has been behind the plate I mean I, I think they've missed the playoffs a handful of times but they, they've been the I mean that's also kind of the way the Cardinals are and you know maybe take them one the grain of salt but Still, it feels like they've just been a different team since since rushman came up and you know it, it it's just it's a credit to how good they have been all year how consistent they've been it's particularly in the second half of the season is when they really started to get hot so you know if it if it wouldn't come at the Mariners expense I would want the Orioles to be a playoff team but if it's them or the Mariners then I would say the Mariners hmm yeah. And, and that's not just yeah. because my folks live just outside of Seattle now. It's legitimately because given the Literally. balance of... I mean, the Mariners won more games last year, and I'm sorry to to any Seattleites listening. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Reese. But the Mariners won more games than the Atlanta Braves last year, and the Atlanta Braves are the 2021 World Series champions. So there's something a little bit messed up about that picture, the fact that they did have a really good season and had nothing to show for it at the end of the day. So... Yeah. Now, I want the Mariners to, to make the postseason and make, make a bit of a run at it. Why not? Why not? You know, yeah. The Seattle I think, Mariners.
1: I think that's well said. I think, first of all, remember back in the day when Matt Wieters was the best catching prospect? Mm-hmm. In the NBA And he did it. So I think your point on the catcher position is well taken. But, um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you, Owen. I mean, I think given... Seattle's story, I mean, they would, I think, would be an amazing story. Like you said, particularly just getting all the way down to the final day, I believe, of last season and, and yep. not making the postseason and yep. then going all in at the trade deadline. It'd be a really special story, Um, Owen. And honestly, I mean, I don't know about how you feel, but, you know, like the Astros right now look like the only team that's – um Really good. Let's be honest. Um, so it's 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 not as cluttered as the National League. So maybe they can make a run at it. I mean, do you think so?
0: It's definitely not too late in the season. They're four and a half games back of Toronto right now on September eighth. So yep. they they do need help from Toronto's opponents. They need help from Seattle's sure. opponents. They need help from Tampa Bay's. They need help. They need but big- it fast. would not be a stretch. To think that there could be four postseason or three postseason teams rather from the AL East this year—that's right—and that to me has been has always been a division that's that's sneaky, sneaky competitive every single year. No matter how good the top team is, there's always multiple teams right there. And we've talked about yeah. how the Red Sox Yankees rivalry has definitely lost some of its luster. Yes. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that's still a tough division. I mean, every team has been to the ALCS at some point in the last ten years.
1: No, I mean, totally. I mean, that that's a fantastic division. It was always for the last five, six years to talk about it it was just Baltimore who was bad and the other teams would take Mm. their turn at it. Or wait, maybe
0: uh, maybe Baltimore hasn't been. But but the point is, we've had every team has been a postseason team. Can you say the same about every other division?
1: No. No, no. It's it's I mean I, I would say by contrast I would say that uh, really, I mean, the other divisions have been very unstable for the better part of a decade. I mean, and, you know, the AL Central, I would argue, has been um, pretty weak for the most part, definitely very weak this season. Um, and, you know, the AL West, you know, Oakland's finally, unfortunately we've kind of talked about in the preview, you know, they're bad, but, you know, they the AL West as well has had its downs. Um, so it's it's night. Nice. You're right. The AL is crazy, but I actually want to ask you on one thing on the Mariners. What do you think about Julio Rodriguez? Julio
0: Rodriguez and and you know talking to uh, talking to is a big Mariners fan. He's definitely much more skeptical of this than I am. But I think we have we genuinely have the best Seattle prospect in in at least a generation, if not two, mm. and. I think that can be more and to see the way he's performed all season when he's been healthy that can be more effective at helping build long-term success than I think people realize that and, and it goes beyond the production I mean yes the production is important but Julio Rodriguez gets butts in seats that's the most important part. He gets he gets little kids buying or asking for Julio Rodriguez jerseys. It gets people going to Mariners games to watch that one singular player. And that what? goes a long way at building team long-term team success. I mean, the Braves run in the 90s wasn't just because they they happened to be in a weak division or what have you. They had they had stars who brought in people from all across the South. I mean, you had people from Florida, from North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee. Hell, even some fans I'm sure from Kentucky came down to Atlanta to watch Chipper Jones and Andrew Jones and the Mm three-headed monster of Maddox, Glavin and Smoltz. And then you you couple that with the Braves being on TBS and that being like the only main station across basically the entire South. But it goes a long way and I think Julio Rodriguez can have that impact for Seattle Mm. because he I mean, he's a star. A star. There's, there's there's no other there's no other way to put it he's he's a star and the fact that they're locking him up for for such a long long-term contract that has a potential to be worth i think a, over 430 million dollars over like 17 years is incredible and i think you know knock on wood i would love to see him live up to that i think as baseball fans that is the best case scenario
1: Yeah, no, totally. I mean, he is no doubt a star. Um, He's no doubt great for the game, great for the sport, great for the city, who, you know, has probably, you know, lacked that since King Felix. Um, Yeah, I mean, just an amazing player, Owen. And um, he's a great story. Just a great, great when I say great story, just a great, such a great player. I mean, we, we talk about in baseball, we just need more of of these exciting new players and man, is he good, you know? And he's like, he's the guy that will draw you, you know, he's one of those few guys, unfortunately, where I would say, man, I want to watch that game because of him. Right. I mean, he's, he's that good. Yep. No.
0: Um,
1: and, um, Another point about the Mariners, kind of, kind of interesting, but, um, well, let me ask you a question, Owen. Yeah. There's a couple of underrated, very underrated players in the MLB. That
0: mm-hmm. maybe
1: they're not even underrated, but they, I just feel like they're under talked about. Mm-hmm. One is on my team, uh, Jose Ramirez.
0: Yes, I agree.
1: Who I I don't want to say underrated because he's just so oh, good. No,
0: he's very underrated. But, he doesn't get nearly the love he deserves. No, I
1: mean, he's he is like a one man. I don't want to say one man because they have a few other players, but that are good, you know. But man, he's just—I mean, he's so good. Bro. He
0: and he and Jimenez have kind of. Well, we can talk about Cleveland for a little bit. He and Jimenez have definitely carried the but, team for. No, but the other guy
1: I wanted to say, and um, we mentioned him in our preview, but Robbie Ray, Robbie Ray, still, still there. Mm,
0: yeah. You know? I I think it. I think personally, though, I I would I would. I would have thought you were going to say Ty France personally.
1: Oh, Ty France! You know he's been around for a while, man. I, I it feels like every time he was just there. But like, but he I, he he for longest time I feel like watching him he's
0: there. Right, but I just feel like he, he I mean, it, it took him and Austin Riley until I think like the last possible day yeah. for them to be named all stars, which to me was ridiculous. I mean, they both yeah. should have been all stars from the very beginning, especially no, especially Austin Riley. But that I've I've talked about. Uh, his his thickness for for quite some time he's his his lord yeah. it's austin Riley is is the truth yep. uh, but it, i think it's hard to talk about robbie ray as being kind of like underrated or underappreciated just because he's he got signed to such a big contract i think it's it, that's that's the one hesitation i have to it's put him in, in that kind
1: Gensals, of more underrated. what's up, marco gonzalez i think he's more under it
0: I don't think he's. I don't. I just don't think he's in the same conversation as Robbie Ray. I mean, he's 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 solid. He reminds me a lot of a, of a young Jamie Moyer, where he's oh. not going to overpower you, but oh. when he's Dude, on, I remember,
1: Moyer was so underpowered. I remember. I I remember him well. I, mean, he, I was growing right. up watching him pitch. Yeah. But
0: because and and they've talked about this on broadcast this is only I can't speak English this is mostly for when position players start pitching but basically they say if you're going to pitch in the major leagues you want to pitch at two different speeds to be successful you want to pitch above hitting speed or below hitting speed? Marco Gonzalez sits below hitting speed, and I think that's why he's so effective because so many guys these days are pumping out 100. I mean, just look at Andres Munoz in the bullpen. He's throwing 100, 101, 102. I think he even hit – don't, maybe hit 103. I don't know. He's throwing really, really hard out of the bullpen. But when you spend the first five or six innings of the game seeing 87, 88, 89, 90, 91, uh-huh. it, you, it, it changes – your eye a lot I mean that's slower than a Jacob deGrom slider nope. <laughs> which you you think about how ridiculous it is that those two guys at the major league level can still have some level of success uh, Robbie Ray doesn't have that issue because he throws 95 95 plus so it, it's just one of those things though it's hard for me personally and I'd be curious to get the, the thoughts of, of, a, of a Mariners fan it's it's hard it's really hard to underrate someone who's getting paid a, a wagon of money.
1: That's fair. I think it's well said, and I think the velocity point you make is interesting, especially because we live in the era of power pitching. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Mark also has been pretty good for a little while now. Um, but, you know, I do agree. Um, maybe, just, maybe the Mariners deserve more attention. But to me, it just more goes on, you know – like just going back to his Arizona days, you know, just how good he was for you know, him and Grinky there, you know, just so good. I mean he was mm. just so good, you know, and maybe Yeah. And East Coast it's harder to watch him, but that that's been a great acquisition,
0: you yeah. know. No, I agree. It it I think, you know, and, and maybe this is diluted just, just cause just because the one Mariners fan I always talk to re- is a pretty it's a pretty self-deprecating one, and pretty pretty hard on his team. You know, he's harder on the Mariners maybe than I am on the Braves, which is really saying something because I'm very hard on the Braves usually. Uh, we will talk about, we'll talk about that team in in a little bit.
1: Yeah. I I, guess to
0: oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, no, go ahead. Go
0: ahead. I think I was just going to say to kind of put a bow on it. I think with with Robbie Ray, he he always stood out on paper as an excellent pitcher, but to me, he, he's never struck me as an ace, even as good as he was last year. He never wow, struck me gosh. as an ace.
1: That's a even bull. though
0: he has the highest K per nine rate in baseball history right now of any player active or, or otherwise.
1: That's, um, that's, I don't, ah, uh, that's tough. That's so, tough. I don't
0: know. That's that. I mean, yes, he won this. It's, it's, Easy for me to say that. He won the Saw so Young Award last year. But before that, yeah. did, did he ever really strike you as an eight? I mean, last year was the first year he really kind of grabbed that. I think it was because mantle. in Arizona,
1: you know, for so long there was just another really good pitcher along a side
0: and and, and and part of the reason though with Arizona is he he always had the stuff, but he never had the the swagger or the consistent sure. command of his fastball. And that that can be the difference between a good pitcher with good stuff and an elite pitcher with great stuff. Yes. Cuz if no. you can control your fast if you can not just control if you command your fastball and throw it for whatever pitch you want wherever you want it in any count, then you're going to be you're going to be one of the best because it, it it's hard hitting is hard and when you have people timed up for 95, 96 and you can throw it exactly where you want to or you know in the neighborhood of where you want to every single time and then nope. you just drop a breaking ball on top of it. It doesn't always matter how good the breaking stuff is. I mean, it no, has to when be.
1: No, when you have that velocity change and that power curveball combination. Yeah. yeah. you know. And by the way, you know what's funny? I just want to say through real quick. I was talking to my dad about this a day or two ago. It just feels like Cleveland plays the Mariners every day because they've played a couple series recently. Yeah. It's just, it's like one of those weird things.
0: Yeah, it has for... felt like that.
1: I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But... Yeah. Can I, can I talk can I talk about Cleveland for a second
0: yes yes I do want to let you talk about Cleveland because they don't get enough I, respect
1: now they given the standings like are gonna probably have to win the division to get in and I know it's very similar to a lot of teams in the past but I think Cleveland is is a a potential um, team this year that could really throw the whole league for a surprise I agree I, 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 particularly the American league, mm-hmm. I, I don't yep. think they're as good as a few of the national league teams, but I really think if the, if it gets in, it can make a run at it. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, uh, you know, on a side note, I'll just say it's sad. Unfortunately, class a finally allowed to had a poor outing the other day. Mm. But, um, you know, just, you know, the foundation of, I mean, Shane Bieber and McKinsey and Cal Quantrill and Clausset and I mean, they're just loaded with pitching, as always. And with some timely contributions from, you know, the, the team, I mean, they're going to be really, really dangerous, in, in my opinion. Um, and I do just want to say, there's probably no team as dependent on a player is it fair to say there's no team as dependent on a player as Cleveland is on Jose Ramirez? I mean, Jimenez, as you mentioned, is a very good player, but um, it does feel like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't have a huge argument against that. I would say the Yankees are pretty reliant on Judge, and that's probably going to end up winning him MVP this year. The Angels, obviously, with yeah. with it's, it kind of goes two ways. When Trout's not healthy, when he wasn't healthy this year, it was Otani. But again, the Otani thing, it, I, I do want to talk about Judge and Otani a little bit later before we wrap okay. up baseball. Uh so we'll we'll table that for a little later. But it I would say, yeah, there's there's there are very few teams that if you take out one player, they end up being night and day. But you take out Jose Ramirez and that Cleveland team, I don't think is sniffing the postseason.
1: Um for sure, for sure. There's no doubt about it. Um, there's no doubt about that the team, there's just not enough, you know, juice in that offense, um, you know, to get going. I mean, it's pretty much him and Naylor and Jimenez and, you know. Um, by the way, Jimenez, um, interesting. I do just want to say that, um, you know, he came over in the, in the Mets trade. And I got to tell you that, the trade right now is looking pretty good for a Cleveland fan because mm. I got to tell you, you know, Jimenez, um, you know, I, <laughs> I'd i probably rather have him than Lindor, let's be honest, the way things have gone. And he's obviously had a very good season. You know what I mean? So, I mean, who would have thought, you know, he could be an all-star level player? Right. So, yeah. Yeah yeah
0: well look we spent we spent a lot of time when that trade first happened talking about the direction of the the now now guardians and I think I think you were rightly and rightly so I'm not trying to take away from from what you're saying you were rightly so pretty down on on the prospects of the organization going forward but given everything that's happened with with Cleveland and that division Mm -hmm. I think it's it's very very close to being a shock that they are in they are well and truly in the postseason hunt they're not just they're not just you know on the outside looking in they no, are it's, it's in first place right now
1: i mean it's truly a shock and it's it's crazy that you know part of it's good fortune uh not only just that but you know it's minnesota they're trying to beat here more it seems more so than the white Sox mm-hmm. so. and some big games with cleveland yeah but um let me ask you this, Sean. I mean, if we take a holistic look of the landscape of the MLB, yeah, um, is there a team? The last couple seasons, you know, with the Braves and with uh, Tampa. I know before that it was the Red Sox, but you know, it, you look back even at Washington before that. You know, is there a team out there that? I'm not saying as, as a much of a you know a kind of a, a team that's like a dark horse like Cleveland, but is there a team out there that you don't think, people rate as highly as they should, and is going to make a run at it? Because I mean, even last year, I mean it's well documented. Just let's not forget that Atlanta right had the worst record in the National League of the teams that made the postseason.
0: Willie, you could look at your phone right now and find that text where I texted you on July 10th, season's over. You could probably find that text when I te- the day he got hurt. I texted you, season's over. I mean, it. it from, from a Dark Horse perspective, like, yeah, I, I don't think people at all at all <laughs> saw, saw Cleveland leading the division I mean yes there's still a full month of baseball left so I, I don't want to say anything's anything's cut and dry nothing nothing is completely done yet 30 days from now we could be looking at the at the postseason picture and just go wow we we got all- wrong
1: Look, here's another thing
0: Okay,
1: mm-hmm. Atlanta's been playing exceptional baseball yes who's out at the right time yes they're on a winning streak right now right they're seven on a yeah streak. So, um, or
0: is it seven or five uh, let's see it is one two uh one two three four five six it is seven seven game wins to week right now
1: so they're playing they're playing baseball at the right time and i honestly think when it comes to the sport that's just such a great indicator who's yeah. playing well entering the postseason yeah. yeah and one other team sorry to go on a little bit of a digression but um one other team oh and I want to I wanna kinda of get your thoughts on them. And I know we we've we've talked about them a little bit, mm-hmm. but um, what are your thoughts on Saint Louis?
0: Well, okay. Really, they're a really
1: interesting one to me. They're,
0: they're, they're a really good team. I don't want that to get lost in the the fanfare that is Albert's last year or Yachty's last year or Wayno's. last year. By the way,
1: that's that's an amazing story. Yeah
0: who would have
1: thought he could play this hit this well. It's insane.
0: Right. And he's he's he has six hundred and ninety five as of us recording this right now, six hundred and ninety five home runs, Willie. He could he could join the seven hundred club. We could see another player join the seven hundred club and and that is incredible by itself.
1: It is and and as you said before so is Aaron Judges the way he's Smash. exactly
0: exactly yeah. but i want to say this though about about the cardinals they are a really really good team just yes, there they are a very good team you even take that out of it and i think it gets lost the fact that they've had such consistent production from pretty much every player except for i mean maybe tyler o'neill has been the only true yeah. consistency with that team but mm-hmm. goldschmidt's probably gonna win mvp Arenado would probably win an MVP if not for Goldschmidt. And everyone else has done more than enough to keep that team in first place, at least right now, as we as we talk about it. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that they are pretty comfortably, you know, in that conversation. Right next to the Mets and the Braves for second best team in in the National League, and I know you you've talked about how you think the Braves are are the, the best team in the National League, but it's it's hard to look past the Los Angeles Dodgers as the best team in baseball right now. I know. We'll 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 get to that a little bit more in, in into that in depth because it, it is such an interesting point of conversation. Because if the Braves had not spotted the Mets. Ten and a half games. This no. division, we wouldn't be talking about this division race is coming down to potentially the last series, if not the last day.
1: No, that's right. No, so, totally. It, it's it's that that's such an exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: But look, looking at the Cardinals baseline stats, they're seven and three in their last ten with a run differential of one hundred and thirty-one. Right. Wow. They they have a five game. They're five four and a half games behind the Braves. And or sorry, no, they are. I'm sorry, five and a half. I my math is not not adding up right now. But they're a very very good team. They beat the Braves two out of three sure. in St. Louis, albeit the Braves kind of handed them that one because uh, I guess yep. Brian Snitker doesn't turn on the uh, the the win every game mode until October, which is fine with me. It, it works. It worked in 2021. I'm not going to complain. I'm not sure. going to complain about a ring. Let's let's put it that way. But I say all this for the Cardinals. But I also say this. They have, I call call a spade a spade, but they've underperformed in the postseason, in the last few last few opportunities.
1: They have. They, they have. were. I would, say, I would say, Owen. I would say to me, the one that really, I, I I don't think. Yeah, they've underperformed for the most part. I think they did make the NLCS, um, the year Washington won, and were slapped and they senseless. We so, but yes, They got you're right.
0: slapped senseless in that series.
1: But, um, yes, you're right. They've underperformed, but you just look at the foundation, like you said, Ghost Tommy Edmund, another one, really good player. Um, I, I, you know, it's so fun to talk about the Yankees and then the NL East and the, and the Mets, but like one of my favorite parts just, and the podcast is supposed to be fun, you know, it's just, I, I like talking about who are the teams that, that don't get enough over or who are, who are, the teams to keep an eye out for. And I, I think the Cardinals really like, you know, I know they'd probably be everyone's last pick based on the fact that the Mets are really good. Atlanta's really good. The Dodgers are really good. You know, San Diego. I mean, unless you believe like, um, I don't know, unless you believe in the potential of Philadelphia can get in, maybe, you know, I don't know.
0: I mean, hey, um, they, they have that last spot right now, Philadelphia. They're yeah. three and seven in their last ten. They're on a bit of a skid right now, but they they have a two and a half game lead over Milwaukee. So,
1: so yeah, and yeah. Milwaukee
0: won twice today. So you yep. know that's that's a big deal.
1: Yeah,
0: it's a pretty big deal.
1: What's up? Well, let me ask you this: um, What do you think? So who you who's your prediction for the NL East? Uh, who do you think is going to win? And What do you think that means for the postseason? I think
0: I think the Mets will win the East, just because of the fact that they do have an easier schedule. And and this is actually a perfect segue into into talking about the Braves and the Mets. So the Braves, as of Tuesday night, had finally caught the Mets for the first time all season. They had they had had a share of first place for the first time since opening day.
1: Oh.
0: And f- for a team that spot the Mets a full ten and a half games at one point, it's and and I was listening to uh, the 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 DraftKings podcast. Baseball baseball's dead, right? Big fan of that podcast. And I was listening to it today and they were talking about, is it really, is it a Mets slide or is it just the Braves are really, really good? And I would, I would argue it's the latter. I would argue the Mets, the Mets were playing 600 ball since June 1st. Mm. The Braves are playing better than 600 ball since June 1st. And, and at that point you can't really be upset at how your team's performing. If you play 600 ball throughout a year, Willie, that's really, really good. Mm. If you end the season with a 600 winning percentage, that's that's a pretty solid year. Like I will, I will do I will do the math for our listeners right now just and just to contextualize it, right? That's
1: that's insane when
0: like right. win insane. 60 percent you win 60% of 162 games. Sure. That means you win 97 games. If you win 97 games, you are a playoff team. Gu- mm-hmm. Guaranteed. In in some cases you're winning your division. So the Mets play 97-win baseball since June 1st. The Braves have played like 110%... hundred uh, or uh, Sorry, 110-win baseball since June 1st. That's not the Mets being bad. That's the Braves being better. And, and do I think the that's, Braves are going to overtake the Mets and keep it there? I don't, personally. As much as I want to, as much as I want to say yes... I think the Mets have an easier division or an easier... I mean, they're the same division. Duh. They have an easier schedule left. And they only—they have three games against each other in Atlanta. Oh, wow. The second, last, be... series, the second to last series of the year. It's the Braves' last home series of the year. to right that against wow. the Mets. It's going to come down to that series, but we will know by the end of that series who wins the division. It's going to be a playoff atmosphere in Atlanta. It's going to be insane. I wish I was going to Atlanta in October and not this past week, although I got to see Spencer Strider 16 strikeout game, which was unbelievable, by the way, being at that game was was awesome. Just see just to see how comprehensive a win it was. Austin Riley at a homer. Michael Harris had a homer and Kenley Jansen came in electric lights out. No problem. Spencer Strider 16 K's Braves wow. win. Ho hum. All done. On to the next one. So. But back back to the Mets. I do think that they are going to, they are going to, uh, to, to win the win the East. It's going to be close. It's going to make be maybe a game, maybe two, but it's well, it, they're going to win the division. I think. And here here's why. So looking at their schedule right now, so they they were off today as the Braves were. They go to Miami for three with the Marlins. Then they have a seven game homestand where they get the Cubs for three, the brewer the Pirates for four. Then they go to Milwaukee for three. They get an off day, then they go out west for three with Oakland, and then they come home, and then they get two with Miami to end the year at yeah, City Field. That should be too. Or sorry, they have one. They have two more series. At city, two series at home at, to to end the year. Two with Miami, then they go to Atlanta for three, and then they go back home to City Field for three with the Nationals. So that said, the Braves have it like this. The Braves are in Seattle for 3 starting tomorrow night. Mm. Then they go to San Francisco for 3 with the Giants. Then they get 7 get 6 games at home, 3 against the Phillies, 3 against the Nats. Then they go back to Philadelphia, back to Washington. Then they get the Mets at home. Mm. And then they go to Miami for 3 with the Marlins to end the year. So you look at the travel, you look at the strength of the opposition, and you look you look at how the two teams have played each other throughout the course of this year. I think it, the Braves are seven and nine overall this season against the Mets. Mm-hmm. So I would I would give the edge to the Mets in in maintaining the lead. It's it's a half game right now because they played one extra game. But I do I would give it to the Mets just based on the strength of a healthy Jacob Degrom and assuming Max Scherzer's current stint on the IL is nothing more than just soreness. Mm-hmm. You know he's he's in his, his, his
1: point by the way. What's that? Which, which is a big talking point that I don't think it, we. It, it is, sure. yeah, but I,
0: I, think I think when when yeah. he says oh it's just soreness, I think it, I I don't I don't read into it any more than that. If if he does start to miss, if he misses more than one start, then I will be a little concerned for Mets fans and a little, a little giddy for Braves fans because that means yeah. one potential less start against Max Scherzer. No,
1: that's no, that's true. I think I think the main thing I think the strength of the opposition matters so much. So for that reason. If that that's indeed the schedule, I didn't know that, then yeah, you, you'd probably have to look at the Mets as being the slight favorite. I mean, uh,
0: yeah, the Braves are playing the Mariners, currently a playoff team, the Giants, who won 107 games last year and still have a lot of quality on their team, and then six games against the Phillies, who are also currently a playoff team. The Mets play, let's see, one team that is in playoff contention right now and it's the brewers. They're not even in right now. If the season ends today, they don't play any playoff teams except for the Braves. And I guess the Braves, I guess you add the Mets to that, but outside of that, you uh-huh. take you take the the head-to-head matchups out and the Mets have one playoff team to go. One. The Met the Braves have 3 and they have 6 games against them. So Yeah. Well, it's it's two, but six. You you know what I mean. The math is adding. The math is mathing. All that fun stuff. I, still I mean, it really it might have
1: come down to that that baseball that that wacky like, what six game series, right? Where the Mets. Yeah, I remember five. watching, and when I was in New York City, they won. I think five, right?
0: Four. They won, they won four or five. Yeah, it was a five game series. Yeah. Oh, they won, four. Was not, I
1: was yeah. won four or five. Yep
0: they um, they rinky dink. Piss poo they poo poo hit their way to uh 4 out of 5 against Atlanta. Yeah. It's such a stupid series. There's so many so many weak contact infield hits. It I mean, that's why I spent the better part of 10 minutes just just, just tearing into the Mets on on right. Baseball Savant. Our our last episode, because it's just ridiculous how how people can think, I mean, a how they can win that many games. And that speaks to how good the pitching staff has been with DeGrom and Scherzer when they're both healthy. And then, of course, Edwin Diaz at the back end. But just how how much it, it just it's so hard to pitch against. I mean Ryan Stanek when the Astros were playing the Braves and got walked off on Saturday night in that Saturday night game. Ryan Stanek <laughs> was complaining about the same thing. He said something along the lines of hit the ball hard one time in your life because the the game winning hit yeah. by Travis Darnot was a little infield infield hit. So it's like it's kind of funny how those things even out. I get mad at them because they go against the Braves and one goes for them and you know all that fun stuff. But I guess it's Look, it, it comes down to, at the end of the day, who's going to execute when the lights shine brightest and when the stakes are highest. And yeah. the Braves have a proven track record of doing that. The Mets have shown that they can do that, but w- let me put it this way. Whoever wins the AL East, the NL East is is a deserving winner of the division. Sure. If the Mets win, they deserve it. If the Braves win, they deserve it. But... It is it is a razor-thin margin right now.
1: Sure. Uh, no, no, totally, totally. And I, I just want to point out that not only is this great viewing, but I think it's – I don't know about how you feel, but it's I think it's really significant because the Dodgers are going to be the one seed. And if, if you know, whoever loses, that's going to be the four seed. So he sets up prime for a showdown with the Dodgers. Yeah. Which I, I everyone I think would love to see. That'd be great viewing.
0: Yeah, I think the but Dodgers significant,
1: want significant. To me, I mean the draw. Just look at the the draw or the bracket. Um, whoever wins the division will have a significantly easier path.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it, it's going to come down to basically when do you want to play the Dodgers? Yeah, and it'll probably be you know it it's hard to say. It really is. I think, I think actually the way the bracket is, uh, let me, let me look at it again, because I, I think the way I was looking at it, if, if the Braves make the wild card and they, and all goes, all goes well through the wild card, they'd play the Dodgers in the NLDS. I don't know if I'd go to that game in LA, just because I, I have a, f- a funny feeling of how it would go. Cause the Braves just do not play well at Dodger stadium. The fact that they won one of the games last year, the, uh, well, why the home,
1: home field advantage was so big.
0: Right, and and just generally, they don't they don't travel well to to Chavez Ravine. They just I don't know what what's wrong with the Braves. They just they just forget how to play good baseball. Pretty much every time they play at Dodger Stadium.
1: Also, uh, also let's factor in. I just want to say, sorry. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, they don't play. Another thing I think we should really point out though was, and we you talked about this before, but if whoever wins that division is going to get a bye in the first round. Yeah. So and you mentioned maybe that's going to be a negative thing, which I heard Freddie Freeman say. Um, where he was like, Yeah, you know, you kind of get out of your routine if you don't something like if you don't play all the time. So that's another interesting do you want the bye in the first round? Like, but you do avoid the pitfalls of a very short series.
0: Yep. So okay, so I'm looking at it now, and here's basically how it would go if the season were to end right now for the National League. So the Dodgers are gonna get a one seed Dodgers are the one seed, they get a bye. If the Mets win the division. Which I again, I think they will. I think you said the Braves will probably win the division.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So we'll go. We'll go with the Mets first. Mets win the division. They play the winner of the third best NL team and the sixth best NL team. So right now, that would be the winner of the Braves and the Phillies. So the Braves and the Phillies get the Mets in the NLDS. The winner of San Diego and, um filled and uh sorry wait i have that i have that backwards so no i, I yeah I let me let me take practice. a let me take a step back
1: yeah
0: or wait is it this is i'm starting to get confused cuz cuz it says it one, says one
1: one plays the four the winner of the 4 or 5 game and the two plays the winner of the 3 6 match right
0: and so so outside of 1 2 it's it's seeding is still based on if you win your division or not right so it, it would yeah, be top
1: three division winners get the top. So three.
0: it's division winners. Okay. So it no, would be
1: the win, the the win, the winner of the division is going to get the number two seed.
0: Right. So, the three, so the three. So one, two, and three is a three division winners, and then one and two get buys. That's right. Right. Okay. So I I, I just couldn't forget if they I couldn't remember if they changed it or not. But yeah. backtrack. Dodgers one seed. Mets two seed. That's what we're assuming. So third seed in the NL right now it would be the Cardinals. Right. They would play the Phillies. The winner of that gets the Mets. The Braves would play the Padres. Winner of that gets the Dodgers. So, if the Mets win the division, the Braves, assuming they get through the wild card round, they would get the Dodgers and the NLDS. Flip that. Say the Braves win the division. The Braves are the two-seed. Dodgers are the one-seed. Brewers are, are the... The Cardinals are still playing the Phillies. But then the Padres get to play the Mets. Then... They get the Dodgers. So, assuming some kind of crazy upset, we no, have... No, I think
1: you're off. I think you're off here. I think you're really?
0: off. Really?
1: Okay. This is my understanding. You tell me if I'm oh. wrong. Sorry, we're going to need the So, my understanding <laughs> is Atlanta, if the standings were held today... uh uh-huh. Now, it depends on who, who does better out of San Diego Phillies. Atlanta would be the four. See? Yeah. They would play San Diego in the first round. Yes. If Atlanta, the winner of that series, would play the Dodgers, and either way, it would be amazing. Right, three, right. St. Louis doesn't have a first round bye; they would play Philadelphia.
0: No, that's that's what I said.
1: But then in the second round, oh, you did say that. Okay.
0: But and then the winner of that plays the Mets.
1: That's right. Yeah. Maybe, Maybe that. Then you
0: flip that and you have the Braves at two, Mets at three. Yeah. Mets would play. Mets would still play. Um, Mets would play the Padres. Sorry, Mets. Braves two, Mets four. Mets would play the Padres. Winner yeah. that gets the Dodgers. That's right. So yeah. we could, assuming some crazy upset, if the Braves win the division, I know we're getting into all these permutations, but it's September yeah. baseball. This is what September's for. Ass- assuming some crazy upset, and the and the the the, the Mets upset the Dodgers in the A, in the NLDS, we could have Mets <laughs> Braves for seven games. To determine who goes to the World Series, if there isn't enough bad blood between the Braves and the Mets after this season, particularly the way the Mets have beat the Braves in mm-hmm. a lot of those games, oh, that is going to be an electric series, regardless of who it is. Yeah, and in that case, it would be the Braves who have home field advantage, which I would give the edge to the Braves if you know all things equal. But it's kind of a home field advantage if you have Max Scherzer, or Jacob Degrom. It's kind of that kind of takes home field advantage away a little bit. Sure. those guys are... Although, I will say this. Jacob DeGrom's career ERA against the Braves is higher than against any other team.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's... And that's a well... That, that is a good... That's a very good point.
0: I don't you know, know how. I don't know why. It's just... That's just the fact.
1: You know, so you... I mean, you've talked about this before, but it's so... It's so fun to speculate, but I mean... I know it. You know you don't think the Mets are gonna go on to run this postseason, but um, I gotta tell you, Owen, I just want to say that um, dude, the playoffs is so fun. It's so much fun, and you never know how it's gonna go in a short series. I mean, I'll always remember Game Five of um, Cardinals Braves. <laughs> Sorry which, about that. Which one? Uh, the, the huge block. Oh,
0: oh, 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 Game Five, not the okay. I, I for some reason the wild card game the infield fly rule came into my head yeah. and I that's so that's a I'd rather like to suppress.
1: So I, I guess what I'm saying is I I gotta tell you, like it is a must watch just entertainment fest. If the Braves get the Padres, I, I would just love that. I would really love it.
0: No, that'd be a lot of fun, and they—I think they match up really well against each other because the Braves' offense is really good. The Padres' pitching can be really good; they have really good stuff, and the Braves have a ton of swing and miss. Mm-hmm. But by contrast, the Braves' pitching staff is also exceptional this year, and has been on the back of Spencer Strider putting up a a solid <laughs> rookie of the year campaign.
1: New kind of wrinkle to the team, I guess.
0: Strider. Yeah. I mean, the the baby Braves this year have been electric. I mean, since Michael Harris came up, the Braves have been a completely different team. I mean, I think that's pretty much when they started going on the win streak is Mm -hmm. is when Michael Harris came up. I mean, Spencer Strider's been throwing gas all year. They moved him to the rotation full time. He's been Mm -hmm. just dominant. Michael Harris has been producing at levels that no one expected him to at a premium defensive position while playing gold glove center field. And then Vaughn Grissom came up and he hit he hit a, a tank at Fenway over the monster and mm-hmm. let's let's not forget how saucy that bat flip was. I mean, I I I'm a grown man of 27 years old. I almost jumped out of my chair watching that bat flip. I was like, "Oh my goodness, Vaughn Grissom, you specimen of a human being." It, it was just it, the baby Braves have been the difference maker this year, I think.
1: Yeah, no they're they're two really good additions. Um 3 yeah. Oh, yeah. Three. You're
0: right. Because of, of Grissom.
1: Yeah I, yeah. I think. I think at, at this point, especially
0: after Arcia got hurt, he's oh. one of the most important addition. Because he's the thing with the Braves is when when Ozzy Albies got hurt earlier on in the year, it mm-hmm. was it was huge because he had a 30, 30 homer, hundred RBI season last year, and he was playing really solid defense all year. He's a big part of the reason the Braves won the World Series yep. last year. So when he got hurt, the Braves had the luxury of being able to put a career shortstop in Arcia at, at second. And then he got yep. hurt running the bases. And so they yep. call up Vaughn Grissom, who's also a shortstop by trade. And by the time Albies comes back, they might put Grissom in left field, leaving Ozuna from the Braves out of a, out of a playoff, out of a, a postseason roster spot.
1: No, totally. So
0: it's, it's a, it's an embarrassment of, of riches at a youth level.
1: It's an embarrassment of riches. Um, it's definitely an embarrassment of riches, you know, um, for sure. No, so I, I think you said it right. I mean, the Braves are just oh, they're just loaded. I mean, another way of saying it. And we,
0: we barely talked about this, too, but Alex Anthopoulos turned Tucker Davidson and Jesse Chavez into Rysel Iglesias plus Jesse Chavez. <laughs> Once Jesse yeah. Chavez got DFA'd by the Angels? I was thinking he's coming back to the Braves, isn't he? <laughs> and of like two days yeah. later, two days later, he got he got picked up on waivers. <laughs> I was just I was laughing my ass off when I saw that that notification come through that the Braves had re-signed Chavez. I was like, yes, please, oh totally, inject it into my veins, totally. Um, um,
1: Willie, for I- sure. No, that was great. It's a great, and I, I just want to say too yeah. that. that- for me, I, I think this is an important point of, of making it fun. You know, I, I feel like it's really important in baseball. I've always never... I think it's really important, I just want to say, to really just enjoy the regular season. Like, as a fan mm. of just the sport, like, it really should just be about enjoying the regular season. It shouldn't all be in the postseason. And I've, I've always had a hard time digesting We play so many games and yet the first round's only five and now it's going to be three. So, I mean, it'll just be, you know, just enjoy the regular season. It's entertainment. You know, because there's a chance that, you know, the Mets or the Braves have a fantastic regular season and they get bounced in the first one. of them is going to get bounced in the, in the first round in a couple games. Those two games, that's it. You know what I mean? So... Yep just enjoy it. I think that's one thing to remember. Just enjoy the ride. Yeah. Enjoy the
0: and, and look, I can't speak for you, but I know for me that's one of the reasons why I'm such a big baseball fan cuz there's so many games. There's the whole 4-month stretch to just enjoy or 5, you know, there's April through September. Just enjoy baseball. And then October, it October's my favorite time of year in Atlanta. Like growing up that was always my favorite one of my favorite times of year. Yeah. It, otherwise, was, the weather's changing. Leaves are falling. It's really pretty. Playoff baseball. I say again, playoff baseball. Mm. I mean, tell me two words that are better than that. <laughs> it's just. Sure. It's so fun to watch it. on a
1: different series. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: Before we move on from baseball, Willie, though, I, I I do want to switch gears a little bit because this okay. is something that I do really want to talk about.
1: Okay.
0: American League MVP. Oh. It is the hot button topic in baseball yeah. in the American League. Mm-hmm. Who is your American League MVP right now? At this moment in time,
1: I, 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 I think it has to be Aaron Judge. Oh
0: boy, I get it. I get why. I trust me. I, I, I see. I see the argument. It's a very cut and dry argument. The Yankees are probably not a playoff team if not for Aaron Judge. That. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's... I, I get it. But,
1: I mean, that's... I, I would say... It might be a bit unfair because I think... I think it's unfortunate. I think because Aaron Judge had this breakout year and the home run chase, maybe because of how good Otani was last year, like, maybe... Maybe we're, we're a little... We we got more used to it than we should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Honestly... I'm sorry I know this is taking a little bit of a rush but I just I can't believe that Otani's gonna get out of this pitiful franchise yeah hopefully a new ownership would you know no, hopefully new ownership could help you know but um um I just bottom line is he's there's not enough eyeballs on him because you know he's playing for a really bad team and he's Doing really cool things again, and no one's seeing. But New York's such a big story; they're, you know, one of the biggest. Um, they're always the biggest draw still in baseball, and and all the tension has been on Judge. It feels like so. Mm-hmm. I, I'll, but going back to it, I would I would give uh, an edge to Judge.
0: Yeah. So I don't agree. Okay. Right, and I preface this by saying, I see the argument for it for sure. He's on pace to break the Yankee home run record for in a single season that is in and of itself worthy of of a lot of value. Mm-hmm. But what I will say mm-hmm. is that with the Aaron judge argument, you you look you 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 listen to that what I've just said that first little bit when I said, the Yankees are not a playoff team without Aaron judge Mm
1: -hmm.
0: that logic with MVP voting gets applied on a case by case basis. It does not get applied across the board. If it got applied across the board, Willie, the 2021 NL MVP should have been Austin Riley. Mm. Austin Riley finished seventh in MVP voting in 2021, seventh behind Bryce Harper, whose team missed the playoffs, behind yeah. Juan Soto, whose team missed the playoffs, and behind Fernando Tatis Jr., whose team missed the playoffs. Austin mm-hmm. Riley's team won the World Series. And I get it, it's the regular season. But the Braves don't win the division. They don't uh. win the World Series, if not for Austin Riley. And yes, I get it. Harper's mm-hmm. numbers were better. Soto's numbers are better. Tatis' numbers were better. I get it. Right. Mm-hmm. But... Are you going to tell me that now as we look at 22 in the American League that the gap between Otani's numbers and Judge's numbers are so – that gap is so insurmountable that someone who is on pace to strike – I think he's on pace to strike out more than 200 guys this year, which is more than he did the yeah, last year. Yeah, And so. hit close to 40 bombs. Yeah. Is miles behind a guy who is basically going to t- is on pace to equal if not better a Yankee record for home runs in a single season. Yes, he's having a great year all around. But hmm. my issue with the argument that he's MVP because the Yankees aren't a playoff team is that argument doesn't get applied to every single case. Team success does not get factored sure. into the discussion as much as it needs to or as, or as little as it should.
1: I think that's a great point. I think that's a really great point. I think the Austin Riley thing you bring bring up is a really good point. And, you know, part of it was maybe the uniqueness, too, where the Yankees have struggled. But, like you said, it's been a unique position where he's kind of been the only one. He was one of the only people performing. So, yeah, I agree the value one. I mean, it's always been that thing in baseball. It's always been a really hard thing. Arguments, I think the Austin Riley thing is a really good example. Um, you know, uh, where, where yeah, he was very valuable and, and maybe he deserved better. I, I think part of it, too, is um, it's really hard to figure out how to, um, you know, position Otani because, you know, he has an incredible pitching season, right? And, and if, in a traditional sense, I think Aaron Judge would be a uh, easy case for MVP because he's just he's he's just dominating the hitting department in just about every category. But when it comes to what Otani's doing in pitching, and we've never had anything like it before, it's it's you know when it comes to that sense, it's like well, you know yes, okay, I believe I've seen right that I think Aaron Judge is 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 winning war.
0: Yeah. Right?
1: right? And, and that's a great statistic in addition to all the other traditional hitting stats. But, you know, like, I don't know. It's really hard because, like I said, is a pitcher. We never had to deal with this. So I, the, the question becomes, you know, it's going to be always, to be honest, it's going to be really hard to, to always figure this out. Mm-hmm. Because, how big does the gap have to like how much better does Judge have to be at Otani at hitting where the pitching can't make the difference? Yep. I don't know. It's a hard it's a really hard thing, right?
0: No. Yeah, you know it's 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 tough. It's it's hard to 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 really reconcile those two completely different things because then and this is gonna be my my sabermetrics slash data guy moment for a second, but even if you add Otani's hitting war and his pitching war, Mm. right? The number is still behind Aaron Judge. Here's the problem, though. If you do that, how do you do it in a way where pitching war and hitting war are valued the same? Because inherently, the way you affect the game on the mound and at the plate is going to be different. They're two different sides of the game. So, how that gets calculated has to be standardized i don't know if it is i'm not i'm not a i'm not a stats guy yeah. in baseball but i would imagine it's not exactly standard how you calculate war for hitters and for pitchers it's slightly different sure but so then the question becomes how do you weigh them equally how do you do that and i'm sure some some brilliant statistician is working on it but mm-hmm. this this, yeah. this then becomes my problem with mvp voting because it's not a league-wide consensus. It's not votes from every player, every coach, every front office executive. It's not that. I wish it It should be. It really should be. Because guess who decides MVP, Willie? Hmm. 30 writers. 30. Sure. Not very many. It's 30.
1: The NBA. the NBA is a few hundred, I believe. Yeah,
0: that makes more sense. <laughs> It, it 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 it's actually mind-boggling to think that and i i can understand why they do it if i had to guess it's probably so there's a better chance of having a unanimous mvp and that just that you know yeah. it it helps strengthen the case for player's all-time greatness it helps with yeah. with marketing it's a little easier to digest and and it, it is the baseball writers association of america mvp Right. It's not the Major League Baseball MVP. But if you ask me, if you ask me, it makes much more sense to have people who are not just covering the game, but deeply involved in the game vote on who is the most valuable player every single year. Sure. I think that makes more sense. I mean, that's that's just me. Right. I, I'm, I might be biased because my guy, my Austin Riley, was seventh last year when he should have been at least top three. And now there's a case of Otani being given the Mike Trout treatment, literally the MVP award in the American League.
1: And that's a great example because Trout obviously has won the MVP a few times while not being on a very good
0: team. It, it It became the best player not named Mike Trout award. Yes. In, in the American League, it literally got to that point where it's like, okay, we can't just give it to you every single year. And that's what they're doing with Otani. They can't just give it to him every single year, even though he probably is the most valuable player in baseball. Across they both leagues. They do
1: that MLB. Well...
0: Because how, how can you put a value on pitching that's identical to hitting?
1: And you know what's interesting is in the NBA, um, very few yeah. players, like it's only a, like a handful, have won the MVP more than, than twice in a row. So that, like, literally, that's a huge problem. People talk about is like, well, we just we can't give it to him again. So yeah, no, totally. right that, that, and then,
0: and then yeah. the other the yeah. other point I was just thinking about this just came to mind just now. But how about when Kershaw and Verlander both won MVP and Cy Youngs?
1: Sure. You know,
0: like, how how do you how do you stand it? And you have a guy who's doing both.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> he's Otani is either an MVP candidate who has Cy Young stuff or Cy Young production, or he's a Cy Young candidate who has MVP production offensively.
1: Yeah. So, look, you know, I... Well, that, that's why I say I mean, it said, it's, is it, are, are they doing the same thing with Ty? Probably because if you can quantify both attributes and you just think about it intuitively, he's probably always the most valuable player. Assuming he's pretty good on both sides of the plate. Yeah.
0: I mean... The issue with adding war is then you turn it into the most valuable player. Uh, war you put the war in award, and it, it's it's just I don't know. I have my own beef with it, and I don't think it's ever going to be resolved in our lifetime. I think the process is always going to be kind of incomplete. Yeah. But I I would argue the the two points that I made: a, it's a question of Otani fatigue, and people just don't want to see it over and over and over again, yeah. even though it. It may well be. So there's yeah. a element of politics to it, uh, and B, it's sure. it's it's an imperfect application of team success as the measure for individual accolades, individual awards. Totally. Like, that's fine if you're gonna if you're gonna factor in team success, then do it. But do it every single year. Don't just do it one year. Don't just do it when it when it fits your narrative. Totally. But then again, you have thirty writers who are who make money by constructing narratives and reporting on narratives so naturally it, they're gonna find whatever they're gonna data mine for whatever stats fit their narrative
1: no I I, I think that's exactly right and um, I don't know even take last year and it's happened a couple times specifically with Bryce Harper right I mean you know he wins MVP I mean the Phillies were decent but they weren't great right
0: yeah he had he had a strong second half and he won MVP I mean he he had a Ridiculous second half, and in twenty nineteen, Cody Bellinger had a monster first half and a pedestrian second half, and he still won MVP. Yeah, so look, I get it. It's an award. It's not. It doesn't. At the end of the day, like I'm, I'm pretty sure pretty much every player who's won an individual award would trade all of it for you know another ring or two. Yeah, I, 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 you know, maybe there's some guys who are so self centered where all they care about is the individual awards, but. I I don't think Otani cares as much if he could win a World Series. I, I don't think he would care if he played for a team that would win the World Series. If he if he wins a World Series, I don't think he cares if he doesn't win MVP this year. Mm. I don't.
1: Yeah, well, I hope so because you know, um, I, I really hope I hope the clock is ticking and um, you know, I, I think an interesting example is a guy like Miguel Cabrera. Multiple time MVP winner, and um, he's he's been through a lot, but he he had a lot of good earlier on the career, and I'm just saying I hope it's not all bad team for Otani. Yeah, you know, I, I would. I hope he or goes elsewhere.
0: Well, and, I can think of one team in particular that was interested in Shohei Otani when he mm-hmm. first came from Japan but wasn't really thrilled at the concept of, of him hitting and pitching. Didn't really fit with their mentality. Uh, that team is the Los Angeles Dodgers, Willie.
1: Mm. That yeah. team
0: plays in the same area. My gosh! That team has a bottomless checkbook. That team has a desire to be the best. Yeah. A la the Yankees in the 20s and the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 not saying it's my hot take, but if Otani is wearing Dodger blue next year, mm-hmm. don't be surprised. It look
1: well, particularly if he likes living in LA, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. I, the, that was his team. He wanted to be a Dodger, but they were like, "No, we don't want you to hit and pitch." So, and he's it like, "Fine, I'll, I'll just go join the Angels then."
1: Billy Epler got him. Yeah. You know
0: what's wild about Otani's contract, and and I I, I want to kind of wrap this up and, and segue over to uh, to, to mm-hmm. soccer. Yep. You know what's wild though is Otani is only making nine million dollars. Yeah. It was a two year eighteen million dollar extension. I think. Let me, let me double check what Spotrac says about his about his contract. But it's it's wild, and you think of how much he's going to make when he hits the open market. Oh my god! How do you even figure that out? Yeah. Uh, after after 2023, assuming he doesn't sign an extension with whoever whoever it is he plays for, whether it's the Angels or someone else. So, let's yeah. see. Yeah. Two years, $8.5 million. Oh,
1: let's, let, oh, let's, here's an interesting thing. Look, do you think the Angels should trade him? Because, yeah, they get an unprecedented hall of prospects. By the way, let me ask you this. Do you think he'd command more prospects than Juan Soto? Yes.
0: He would? Okay. Yeah. Even even if you don't buy these two separate players, it's more than one player. And Juan Soto, as good as he is, I mean, he's in an, also, he's in an all, all-time career slump right now. I mean, he, he got booed off the field in San Diego, of all places. Like, if it was New York, yeah. I get it. If it was LA, I get it. But San Diego? Wow. Yeah, he's um, in a tough year. Honestly. Yeah, but watch him win like World Series MVP this year. <laughs> watch them make a run, and he just hits like seven fifty in the postseason. Yeah, it, it, that baseball man, it's weird. Um, yes, I think he he would easily command more prospects than. Well, also we people forget this too, and I'm not I'm not I'm not shaming you for it, Willie. I just it just gets yeah. lost in the narrative. I, I hesitate to call it the Juan Soto trade. I call it the Juan Soto and Josh Bell trade. Cause
1: oh you're right,
0: Josh Bell's a pretty damn good ball player too. Kind of
1: struggled for a while when he
0: first came. Out. That's yeah, that is true. But but yeah,
1: you know, Josh Bell is a pretty.
0: He's a pretty damn good ball player.
1: Yeah, and it, and, 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 not, from, he, and and I forgot. I mean, one of the art, old articles I read, there was uh, Mike Grizzle really wanted this. one of the prospects in the deal, and so he's like, "Well, we can get him if we include Josh Bell in the trade." So. Yeah. You know, clearly
0: it was um I can't remember which one it, yeah, it was one of the it wasn't Gore or Abrams, it was one of the younger guys.
1: Yeah, I think the pointed pitchers.
0: Yeah. Um but look. Otani's gonna command a lot of money. He's gonna mm. command a lot of money. <laughs> whoever it is wants to sign him, he'll be he'll be, I think, what is he? He just turned twenty eight. So he will be twenty nine by the time or twenty he'll be thirty by the time he hits free agency.
1: Which is, you know, given the age gap between him and Soto, few, yeah. you know, four years or so, right? right. That, that's the only thing. But, yeah, no, I mean, he, but, he'd But hope that his, you know, he could, hopefully he goes to a winning team. That's yeah, all.
0: right. Okay. You know, yeah. if it's the Dodgers, I'd be kind of like, eh, really? Why, guys? Come on. But also, if it means Otani winning a World Series, then, then fine. Otani needs to win a World I mean, Series.
1: I will just say that even for the Dodgers, affording – Freddie Freeman's contract and Mookie Betts' contract and his contract would be quite a,
0: yeah quite it'd be, something. It'd be I mean, look, I don't think they are. Uh, I don't I don't think they would mind a whole lot if I'm brutally honest, knowing knowing how the Dodgers treat the luxury tax threshold. So, well, well I would I
1: would you know what's interesting is I think, and this is not revolutionary, but um, I listened to an interview. Um, that uh, I didn't know about this interview. Maybe he was in the headlines and missed it, but Mookie Betts did an interview with um, someone from WEI who, you know, WEI is a Boston station. And um, one of the reporters came earlier this season and he talked to Mookie Betts. And um, he was, he was very transparent about the process and he was like, look, I had a price they weren't willing to meet it basically, and I realized that I, you know, I was all kind of all business, but I realized I had to move on. And I would encourage the other guys in the Red Sox because then they asked him about what would you do if you were Rafael Devers, and like you know, he would do the same thing. And so you know the um, the point I'm I'm saying is uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that. Um, I think they need to start the talks and and understand if he has a reservation price. And uh, if you don't get a good indication, you know, you better trade him. <laughs> he can't walk out the door for nothing. I mean, yeah. by the way, I will just say, sorry, I know this is a little side note, but it's really crazy to me that PSG decided to, to be honest, to... Not sell him to Real Madrid because even though he decided to stay, that was a massive risk to be like, we're just going to let him potentially leave for nothing. That's pretty crazy to me.
0: Yeah. So. Well, they're they're going all in on potential. And the potential is to win the Champions League, which is their, you know, it's their white whale. Oh, yeah,
1: it's like soccer money. His contract is insane. It's yeah. so much money. It's, it's, not it's not even the money, too. It's the power. Yeah. He's power, almost right.
0: like a sporting director on the field. It's crazy. Yeah. For sure. I mean that that kind of player agency. I don't think we've ever seen. in... I don't think I've ever seen it in in sports. And I just well, is, uh,
1: it, yeah. No, you're right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. You're right. What uh,
0: were you yeah. say? Isn't isn't?
1: In- oh no! I was just gonna say, with regards to um uh Otani, real quick. Sorry, I, I was just gonna say that. You know, honestly. I know it's unfortunate. Well, I don't want to say it's unfortunate because I'm I saying as a fan, I would love the open ended possibilities to be like, um, like, speculate, wow, who could get him. But this is a situation where he doesn't have a long time left on his deal. So it's not a situation where a random team would like trade for him. Right? Like, he's going to basically dictate no team's going to give up a haul of the prospects and risk losing him if they only have him for, like, a year. So, it basically comes down to you know, who who he wants to go to, are they going to give him? Because it's not always like that, you know? In the case of Juan Soto or, you know, all Donovan Mitchell in the NBA, a lot of these teams, like, it would be a lot of ways for a fan be more interesting if he had four or five years on his deal, because then all of a sudden, you're Tampa Bay? Would you, you know what I mean? Like someone like that who would never be able to sign a free agent? Would you sign him? You know, so yeah, yeah. You know, it's, he's going to dictate who he wants to go to. Basically, yep. If he's a he,
0: he for sure is. He's going to say, "I want this, this, these three teams. I want to go to one of them." So figure it out. Yeah. Yep. Especially when you are the the uh, generational talent that you are. All right, Willie. So moving on to the Premier League, I. As you and I were talking about before we started recording, I really didn't want to talk about Premier League today. I just <laughs> no. between Liverpool's struggles and the inevitability of Man City winning the league this year, I know they're not even in first right now, but they're going to win the league. Um, Willie, there, there is—I—I I, I am now admitting it—well and truly, there is something wrong at Liverpool in 2020 during the injury crisis and again, this was because of an injury crisis, Liverpool losing six on the bounce at home Mm -hmm. it was all down to an injury crisis, not a lack of mojo or or whatnot this current rough patch is a lack of mojo Mm. it's a lack of intensity, it's a lack of desire, it's a lack of focus, it's just up and down the team, no one is good enough and it's it's shocking. I mean, I didn't even watch the Champions League game because I, I just was stuck at stuck on, on different work stuff. But mm-hmm. it was a truly shambolic performance. I mean, I've seen clips of Alexander Arnold defending. Uh, I can only imagine yeah. James Milner is just way behind the pace of the game these days. Mm-hmm. And... Fabinho is trying to do the job of three people. Tiago made an impact when he came on, but it was way too late. Luis Diaz is the only player who looks like he actually cares. Salah has been a shell of himself. Allison is doing his best, but you can only, as a goalkeeper, you can only make a certain number of saves if you're given, you know, good opportunities to do so. It's, it's, it's a really, really bad, bad moment for Liverpool right now. It's so, it's really bad.
1: Yeah. I, I, um, now, in fairness, you know, with their most recent Champions League loss, as a fan of Serial myself, Napoli is, is doing very well. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, so you fall on more of the side that it's um, more of an intensity and um, kind of dips in form as opposed to structural issues within the team and in the midfield and etc. Or do you think it's some of both?
0: I think it's injuries. Okay, injuries is also part of it because Tiago hasn't played it all this season. Keita is probably not gonna play for months. Yeah. Oxley Chamberlain's sideline for months. Um Arthur hasn't played more than a few minutes, I don't yeah. think. I think he came on very, very last minute. It's injuries, it's a complacency, lack of intensity, lack of focus, and it, it, it's it's alarming on the level of Klopp's last year at Dortmund. Yeah, where right. he start. I mean, they were close to relegation for parts of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he announced he was leaving. Table,
1: though, right? What's up? I think, I think they ended up top out of the table. They actually.
0: ended up seventh, I want to say. Yeah. yeah, which was still Europa League qualifying for the next year. Which ironically was when they met Liverpool again in. Um, in the quarterfinals, in that epic four three game at Anfield, yeah. um, but it, it's eerily reminiscent of that because when you play the intense way that Klopp's teams do, it, it, it's just gonna it's gonna add I'm up over yeah. time. And my concern is is not that the same thing is happening because Liverpool is a completely different club, and and Klopp's last two clubs aren't handcuffed, or they were more handcuffed than than Liverpool are at the moment, although the way John Henry and his ownership group act, you would, you'd kind of believe the same thing that they don't have money. They have money. They just don't want to spend it. You
1: know, dorman has money. They just choose to sell.
0: They, they just choose money. to turn a profit. Yeah. And, and Liverpool have more money, but they also choose to turn a profit and, and make the club self-sustaining, which, yeah. you know, I'm sure Red Sox fans feel the same way. That's all I'll say about it. I'm sure Red Sox fans feel the same way because they had the money to sign Mookie Betts. They had the money to sign, to previously sign Xander Bogars. They have the money to sign Rafael Devers. Mm-hmm. They do. They have it. They could. They could easily still have that. But it's John Henry's insistence on frugality and making sure that his professional sports team turns a profit.
1: Well, yeah. Sure. Sure.
0: I mean, that, to me, it's as simple as that. So staying staying on the Liverpool thing for a second do i think that liverpool is gonna end up being kind of where dortmund was like close to relegation uh i want to say no i want to but i can't i can't bring myself to disagree with that line of thinking i think it's it it is It is a very, very scary time as a Liverpool supporter who also followed that Dortmund team really closely and those Dortmund teams of of Klopp's in the early 2010s. It's scary.
1: But you know what's what's weird about it, Owen, is that, and this is going to sound crazy, but when you go off the fact of the performances, um... You know, that's the concern, the way they look and the lack of intensity and the struggles. When you go off the results themselves, to be honest, you know, there's actually – this is, might be a little bit of a hot take in itself, even though I don't mean it to. Um, mo- most of the results in themselves aren't terrible. I mean, I think opening day of the season, you know, we've seen how good Fulham is. So, you know, Klopp was – I remember he was shocked at how poorly they played. Um, you know, losing to Manchester United, who have gone on a little win streak right now, doesn't look so bad. Obviously losing to Napoli, not that bad. I mean, look, they beat Newcastle. They smashed Bournemouth, who 9-0. I mean, and to be fair, they did just come had that crazy comeback against Nottingham Forest. Um, I, you know, so they're somehow, they're not doing terribly in the table. Um... But there is something wrong, and I, I, to me, in my personal opinion, it really all comes back to intensity. Not only inten- just there's more than enough talent if the players can get their act together. Like, I understand the, the midfield issue because of the way Fabinho's looked and, you know, Thiago's injury, and, you know, people talk about, oh, well, they have Harvey Elliott, but he's kind of a different kind of player. But um, for the most part, you know, there's plenty of good players. Uh, Sorry to James Milner, but as long as he's not playing, (laughs) like they have more than enough to get their intensity. I I think for them it's just a matter of getting out of a funk, really. I don't see it as being longer term. And I think it's really crazy to think that Klopp is all of a sudden on the hot seat. I think that's blasphemous.
0: No no I, I would be I mean the I would say the only the only way Klopp would leave Liverpool before his contract is up is if he decides last minute like I can't I can't do this at the end of this year that's that's to me the only way that this contract's not going to play out is if he if he does what he did at Dortmund and just has this realization that he's not the right guy anymore but I think he has the the confidence of the owners not necessarily the financial backing definitely doesn't have that he has the confidence from the owners that he's the guy to fix it. And look, he somehow finished third in a mm-hmm. season where the preferred center back pairing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, there were at least 20 of them,
1: it was cr- but the all-
0: preferred center back pairing at mm-hmm. the end of the day, at the end of the season, was Nat Phillips and Reese Williams. If you would have said that to start the year, the year they're defending a title, mm-hmm. no one believes you. But we saw so closely how much of a, how how excruciatingly painful it was to watch player after player after player. All of them being center backs or potential center backs. Every single one of them got hurt. Henderson, not a center back, still got hurt. Fabinho, can play center back, not a center back, still got hurt. Van Dyke, we know what happened. Screw Jordan Pickford. Um, Joe Gomez, Long-term injury. Joel Matip. long-term injury. Um, it's insane. It's insane. It, Ozan Kabak brought in to play center back. Injured as well. Ben Davis never got a game in for the club. Sold. It's just, like, how much do you want to keep... Like, how many different players can you play? I, I mean, I, they were close to playing Loris Karius at center back. Now, I'm, I'm making that up, but fair. that's how bad it, it what got. I, what
1: I will say is, yeah, that, that season seemed to be much more about injuries, right? That, and yeah. now it's lost season. And I think we'd agree with that. And now there seems to be something more a problem. In fairness, you know, I think Klopp has admitted himself that he, they should have signed more midfielders, and he was part of the reason they didn't. He felt that the team was good enough in those areas. Um, But some of these players are, are too good, you know? Fabinho, I think, is... Too good. I think Van Dyke is too good, even though he's had some struggles this season. I think, you know, um, just most of their players, other than Trent, because Trent's the one thing where every season he just seems to be in the middle of a lot of bad defensive players. But you know, Henderson, I think, is still has it. You know, um, I think Salah. It's a confluence of things. I think the more that there's a lot of reasons that that might not be happening, but even though Mane left and that was a big loss, I I just think there's more than enough there, and they just need to get their their mojo back. I really think it's it's comes down to intensity.
0: Yeah, and and that to me is the most worrying part because that's the Liverpool identity, that's the Liverpool way under Klopp. That's all it always has been. Just playing unless, with intensity.
1: It could just be that. They can only go every couple seasons, you know, like, or they, they're just inevitably going to have a bad year because the system is so intense.
0: I mean, that, that's true, but I mean, I can't remember a game seeing so many highlights of Trent Alexander Arnold jogging mm. when walking back, when going back towards his goal. He was, he's always been sprinting and working hard, even though he's not the best defender one-on-one, he at least tried. He didn't look like he wanted to be there with Napoli. I don't know what it is. He just doesn't seem like he wanted to be there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Van Dyke has the same problem. I mean that that was Van Dyke's one criticism is sometimes he tends to, to kind of glide through games a little too easily.
1: Yes.
0: And and that that is that is not what you want to do as a defender because you want to be and you know you you can probably speak to this Willie. You want to be active and you want to be yeah. pessimistic.
1: Totally. And, oh, totally.
0: or let me rephrase that. You want to be active and pessimistic. Easy for me to say. Yeah. Yeah. You want to be, you want to be working at it. You want to be constantly thinking, where's the danger? Where's the, where's the danger? Where do I need to be assertive? Where do I, how can I read the game? What's, what do I, what do I think is going to happen? So it's, it's, it's hard right now. It's kind of fathom a, a, an immediate way out of it. I think it's going to get, get worse before it gets better. Truthfully. But yeah. if it means, sure. and look, here's, here's how I feel about the season as a whole, Liverpool's not going to win the league. Nineteen clubs are not going to win the league this year. One team is going to win it. I mean, yes, obviously, uh, duh, skip Bayless, um, but it's Manchester City's league to lose, and they're not going to lose it. When when they have a player who's going to break every known scoring record, they're not going to lose. They just they just yeah. won't.
1: I, I I think sure if we if you mention that for a second, I mean, I don't really think there's a team that can challenge them for the title. You know, I think that Spurs, to me, are a really good team. But on their day in the system, it seems like they might struggle to score some goals. And if they concede the first goal or if they concede a couple goals, they might be in trouble. You know, I don't think that really any of the other teams... Arsenal, I just don't think they're quite good enough on the same level. We saw that in the Manchester United game. And, you know, Chelsea and... Um, Chelsea certainly has their problems. Uh, You know, Man United certainly still has their problems. I don't really think there's another challenger per se, even though City can be vulnerable from time to time on the defense. But going back to Liverpool, you know, the. I find one thing I find interesting is. The performance is, um, you know, like you said. I, I, they're really, I mean, just poor, poor, poor. You know, what I mean, like, and, and and most of these games, right? Like Crystal Palace, um, Newcastle, just a lot, Like they get the results, but huge chunks of the games, like they were outplayed, right? Mm. That's I think the thing that's really concerning because i mean at least with chelsea you know they had the bad loss to leads where they were just thoroughly outplayed but you know i i don't want to say but you know there are m- many of the games they've had spells where they looked fine you know so i i don't know Liverpool is just all over the place i can't can't figure it out
0: yeah I mean, I do genuinely think it's going to get worse before it gets better. I mean, I could see, I could see a five-nil against Man City before it really starts to get better.
1: So, how do you think the season's going to play out I mean, domestically and in the Champions League?
0: Uh, I I don't think we're going to qualify from our group in the Champions League at this point. I mm-hmm. think it legitimately is is looking unlikely right okay. now. I will I will say though, I think. Maybe fourth place is is possible, but yep. it's gonna take it's gonna take a pretty big effort. It, it's gonna take everyone kind of picking each other up and thinking like, "No, guys, we can do this. Like, it's okay. We've done this before." But the early signs right now are they're very worrying signs. I'm I'm very nervous about where the team's headed right now, and if this. Ends up leading to leading Klopp to believe that the seventh year is the last one for him. Then, as you know, it it's it's been a fun ride, I guess. You know, I would have liked it to last through 2024, but um, you know, to through 25, would it be 24, 25, whatever it would be. But mm. you know, I I get why Klopp would want to 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 leave because it's you know when when you put in 110% into something you put that you put that work in you you give it everything you can and you get the results for a while but then after a while they just stop they just stop coming then it's disheartening it's disheartening to feel like no matter how much you try and no matter how much success you have you're eventually long term not the right fit that's that's just a hard thing to fathom in life and in in football so mm-hmm. Is it going to happen? I hope not, but could it? Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Yeah, um, it is hard to fathom, and I think it's been a, good, it's definitely been a good, ride, amazing ride. Um, you know, and I think unfortunately, I, I, I think when you have a, you know, a special manager, you got to hold on to him. Yeah, but. I, I just I, I don't want to say I can't even believe people are talking about him being on the hot seat I mean it's
0: crazy yeah people saying clop out on Twitter are, I just don't listen to them because they're just idiots I mean they're the people who you know that you lose one game and they start turning on the manager like it, yeah. it's 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 the ability to, to look at the big picture that I think separates the rational football fans from from the immature ones mm-hmm. I I think personally because anyone can can react to something right then but to have the experience and to have gone through what Liverpool has gone through while Klopp is manager from you know losing out on on the league by a point and and the Champions League by by a goal after basically dominating the whole game uh, losing out of the league twice by a point you know it's and then winning the league and and bringing the club from where it was previously to where it is now it you know it's a night and day difference so
1: yeah (laughs) It's, yeah,
0: it's hard to describe, Willie. It really is. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, it is hard to describe. Particularly when they won the Community Shield, where they looked pretty good. Um, and <sighs> yeah. you know, even even that one bad season they had a couple times ago. I mean, you know, they still made it out of the Champions League. Yeah. Group, um, barely against Napoli. Um. Obviously, the end of the season heroics um, to make the top four. Yep. Um, but I think it's fair to say this year. Um, I don't know. Do you think they'll make top four?
0: <sighs> do I think they'll make it? Couldn't tell you. I. I honestly, I'm so conflicted on it because of how bad it is to see your fullback jogging back towards the goal, a defender. Jogging back towards a goal. I mean that to me that was that was disgraceful. Yeah, I mean, yeah, totally. for Fabinho, I get it because he's trying to do the midfield job of three people because Milner just can't keep up anymore. I don't, I don't know. Like it, that's how you know the injury crisis is as bad is when Milner is starting at the age of forty thousand yeah. years old.
1: I know it's it's madness. You know? It's madness. And, so yeah, and there's remember the image of him. Him and he's shouting at Van Dyke in
0: the Man United. Game. Yeah, no, I think every collective, every Liverpool fan wants a shot at him right now. Yeah, it's like you're well, you're the old man, my dude. Like you gotta yeah. pick, you gotta you know bring your cane with you next time,
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or your walking stick or something.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> but
0: you know that's we're being harsh. They're 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 people. They're you know this is this is just a, a tough tough time as Liverpool supporter. But we've been through worse. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. That, that's all. That's all. I'll leave it at. Um, on the subject of managers, Willie, how shocked were you with the Tuchel firing? Because hmm. I don't want to toot my own horn, but we've talked about this before. Again, I'm not shocked at all. Timing, maybe, but when you when you start to read like why the why he was let go when he was when a lot of it was around Chelsea not want or Tuchel not wanting to sign Ronaldo. Oh
1: well, I've read. You know. There have been smart, I mean, The Athletic did a really great in depth piece of journalism. And, um, mm. you know, I, here's what I would say I am very surprised in terms of it was definitely um, very quick to, to do it. Um, you know, in, in fairness, we can do, whether I think it's a good or bad thing. It's it's honestly tough to say because it really depends on if Potter's this young gem. It was definitely very, extremely rushed to sack him. Um, The one thing I would push back on and say that um, I'm not, people say not surprised with Chelsea. By all indications, from all the reports, it does seem like the ownership group really wants actually to change that philosophy and be a stable, have some stability. So, For me, I I could be wrong, but I I think that they would like to actually go back to the traditional way of having managers stay there for a longer term. But when you read a lot of the reports, you know, I, I think I've really come to the conclusion when it comes to soccer that, you know, it is hard to have a long shelf life at a club unless you're a very good man manager. Yep. And the biggest reports, you know, the athletic article, which talked very in depth, um, as well as one or two articles, but particularly the athletic article, talked about how um, really the thing that struck me was not, oh, that the players aren't, aren't his ideas aren't clicking, you know, aren't coming through with them, mm. but that, that he was poor communication skills. And it was very similar to Frank Lampard, where Frank Lampard, was very distant from his players and Thomas Tuchel, well, he initially started, was not really having communication with players. You know, he, player, like, he, they didn't really have an open dialogue with him to go a long times without talking to the players. Um, and players were getting disgruntled because they, he just wasn't managing them properly, you know? He, and so for me, it's, it's on the surface, I would say when you have a, a manager who's so elite like Tuchel you want to hold on to them unless you can get an amazing replacement for sure. Whether Graham Potter is that we'll see. Um, it's just but when you read along inside the club I have a very hard time believing for example that Jurgen Klopp doesn't have amazing relation, like very good relationships with his players but Tuchel's always been known for, you know, having kind of a, a interesting personality. So I know in the past with PSG, him and the the management fell out. Um, but what's staggering when you read about it is just the lack of good feeling he's had with the players. So that 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 I think is an interesting point. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting to see Graham Potter come in because he's been renowned as such a good manager but you know for for those who don't follow Brighton religiously yeah. it's hard to tell if if a lot of that is man management or tactics and part of part of being a good manager is getting the guys to buy into the tactics but it's just it's you know i think it's early enough in the season where you know it's not going to be like someone's taking in midway through and, you know, like a salmon Sam Allardyce or Tony Pulis or Sean Deitch, who's just going to park the bus every game, uh, you know, try to grind out draws and, and one nil wins and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it's right past the start of the season. So we've had enough time to see something. And I guess what the ownership group at Chelsea saw is they didn't, they didn't like it.
1: Yeah. I, and they I, clearly I,
0: didn't I, like the results.
1: No. And, and, well right and that's where it comes back to I'm operating from the premise that this new ownership group is different by the old group you are focused on giving into the top four and when results are bad you you fire them I'm coming from excuse me, I'm coming from the premise that they more than the results on the field that they they were upset internally like all these reports say too cool didn't have a good relationship with the new ownership. Um, and that he was struggling to manage the players. And there's a lot of crazy stuff coming out of Chelsea too. Like they, it's pretty mind boggling that they Marina Gorskaya and Peter check leave the club. And they asked Tuchel to be the temporary like director of football. And then apparently Thomas Tuchel was so busy with coaching that he would basically, you know, have his agent do the bidding for him and, and, so it's not all, it's for sure. A lot of it's definitely on the ownership too, but it is pretty staggering that you'd invest that much money. You'd allow a player, a, a manager, not only to oversee that, but to literally have such close control of the spending. And then you'd, you'd sack them. Yeah. It is pretty. And I, I think it comes down to, I mean, it's it's really hard to get rid of such a good manager Unless you're really, really confident that Graham Potter is that good. And, and what I will say, and I'll stop on this digression, is that when you read some of these reports, like Todd Bully was kind of obsessed with Graham Potter. This is like one of those things where maybe they just – by that, to be honest with you, by that account, it just seems like they should have just parted ways before the season. Yeah. I don't see what could have happened this season – where they'd be like, "Wow, based on this, we should get sacked." So,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I guess it, in in any sport, really, it's it's hard to it's hard to see a, the the impact of a change without having made it at first. And you know, sometimes you just get to the point where you won't know until you've seen whatever it is you're looking for. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's a it's a very very tricky time for Chelsea but ultimately they'll probably you know they'll end up where they where they feel like they should be and you know Graham Parta will get the accolades I think he's he's been a fantastic coach for a long time and now he's got the opportunity at one of the biggest clubs in the world not just England but biggest clubs in the world to really prove himself so it should be really interesting to see how they how they adapt and how they play and and what kind of the thing I'm always looking forward to is how players respond with new managers the first game yeah. back with a new manager is always super telling, I think, as to how much the players yeah. buy in.
1: Well, and, and sure. And I think Chelsea has a really, really good squad of players. I mean, I think the team is very deep and very loaded, um, especially with all the new signings. And uh, no, I for sure. When you read about how poorly the players, like the, the energy around the club was so low, you know. They they mentioned how in the article and after the loss of Z- Z- Dynamo Z- Zagreb that uh, there was just no spirit. So I think with sp- I think this is the classic case where it's too it's too early to even say that his voice would be gone. I think it's just, but yeah, like um, you get a new manager in there. I think the players with Chelsea should absolutely come out firing and respond for sure. Yeah.
0: So that said, Willie, with, with all this new, all this new, uh, this change with mm-hmm. Chelsea, where do they finish in the table in 2022, 23?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a really tough one. Um, you know, I, I, I think I, I, it's really, really tough to say, but I'm feeling fifth place. Um, you know, I think the closest title challenger to Manchester City will be Tottenham. I think they're the second best team. Um, I think Arsenal looks really, really good, obviously, but they, I don't, they don't think they I, I think they'll definitely be in the top four, and then I find it hard to believe that Liverpool would miss the top four entirely, even though right now it looks bad. So, and I just, I think that Manchester United seem like they're making progress, but I think Chelsea might enjoy a similar manager bump than, you know, to what Manchester United has over the past four or five games. So I think fifth. I think fifth place. Yeah. But this one, I will just say this. You know, this is an absolutely massive gamble. I can't over under overstate, and it's not because of Graham Potter at all. When you, like, it is very different to get rid of Frank Lampard, where, with all due respect, he'd come from, one, you know, I believe just one... Was it only one season? Yeah, with it was
0: team? one at Derby. One, one season.
1: One season. No assistant managerial roles, inexperienced staff, to your parting ways with probably a top-five coach in the world. So... Yeah. I mean, that is a huge gamble, and that's, that's crazy.
0: Yeah, well, and, I mean... It, it, Chelsea are running the club a lot like Real Madrid it it seems to be win trophies every single year always be first or second on the table or you're not good enough
1: but I just like I said I I, they are but I I I really believe this new ownership group is different and they probably if I had to guess they believe it's a combination of Tuchel kind of lost the dressing room quote unquote and Graham Potter they think is the stud and if he's a stud then yeah you want to get him right right but, yeah, I think – I yeah, it, it's really hard to say, but it's just a huge, huge gamble. And um, I know that these owners, they want to create a good culture on the club, and apparently they they really want a coach who's going to create a good culture. Like they want someone who's going to be a good man manager and, and is going to have positive spirit. Yep. Which Graham Potter is supposed to be good at, but um, – you know i think that men I, I i will say this if if this doesn't work out i wouldn't be surprised if the fans start protesting like they're manchester united and be like we want these owners out
0: well like they said they were going to manchester united they didn't actually follow through cuz the team you know actually got results yeah so pretty pretty empty threat if you ask me but that's for another time right. um so yeah you know Again, I didn't want to talk about a lot of Premier League just because of where the where the situation is, yeah. but it's something we'll keep an eye on for sure. And I'm sure I think this weekend's games are probably going to be postponed with the the passing of the Queen. Uh, think yes. that's the rumor I've heard. I think we'll we'll get confirmation tomorrow morning. By the time you're hearing this, so, yeah. All
1: right. Uh,
0: anyways, Willie, any final thoughts on Premier League or any other things before we jump into the the boiling pot that is our hot take segment?
1: Yeah, I, I do I do. just want to mention uh, one final thought, which I think is, is important. Um, well, I mean, I, look, I think the Premier League as a whole, the talent is so amazing and it's always so interesting. And just with the influx of summer cash, it was just crazy. And following closely, like, pleasure. But, um, you know, I, I do just want to get your quick thoughts. I mean, I think the Nottingham Forest story is crazy. You know, obviously everyone would have said Bournemouth, looked worse, but then somehow Bournemouth beat them on the road. And other than that one win at, at West Ham, where they were very lucky, to say the least, you know, West Ham hit the post a couple times, um, they look like the worst team in the league, I think that's fair to say, given Bournemouth just beat them. And first of all, I wonder if could they could go into administration if they go down, but I can't fathom spending insane amounts of money and not making it and porous well, and, looking and the, it's just crazy didn't didn't that
0: happen with with a newly promoted team recently like was it fulham. uh it was fulham right yeah, yeah but the not first time
1: fulham, i think spent even more money I mean, yeah well honest.
0: i mean they had what 21 new players yeah yeah that, like. that's outrageous um i mean i don't know what their finances are i don't know how bad it is right now but <laughs> you gotta imagine they really need to stay up to to balance the uh, balance the books. And Who,
1: who's your pick for relegation right now? For me,
0: well, right wow. now it's it's oh, Bournemouth and and Forest for sure. It's mm-hmm. just that third team. I would I Wait, would say. Go
1: ahead. Who do you
0: think? Well, early in the season, I had Brighton, Bournemouth, and um, Brentford. I had the okay. bees going down
1: wow.
0: earlier in the season. Obviously, yeah. that looks it looks pretty. It looked pretty bad before the Graham Potter. Uh, before Grand Potter left, now that he left, it looks a little bit better again. But yeah, it's possible, yeah. watch them find another another Grand Potter. They just—I don't know how they do it. They just—they just find yeah. solid managers. Chris Hutton yeah, was not a bad manager. Well,
1: I, I, he' very different. Very different he, to Grand Potter.
0: Yes, yes, but he kept them in the league. Yes, he did. They stayed up barely.
1: Though, barely.
0: Yes, but they stayed up.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know. He, he, yeah, I get why they replaced him, but he wasn't as bad as I think people were making it seem. Yeah. Grand Potter's a great manager though. I think he'll he'll do he'll do well, but the pressure's gonna be can he win a trophy, one trophy at least, within his first 18 months at the club. If he does that, then he buys himself another six months. But Tuchel's been in charge, he, he was in charge for what, like 19, 20 months, maybe just under two years.
1: Um, no, he was in charge for um, let's think about this uh just over two years
0: just over two years mm-hmm. so you know i i don't i don't think um listen I, I i don't i don't want it to go the same way but Chelsea is Chelsea there is that danger
1: maybe it was only yeah yeah it had i think so but um
0: it was it was late in 20 late in 2020 wasn't it
1: yes that's 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 right yeah was, yeah, yeah so not um,
0: not quite two years
1: yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. Wow. Okay, that's crazy. Um, well, Collins, I think for. I Like I said, I, I really think if this new ownership different, it's going to come down to the foundation he's building. And given the tactical master he is, I think people talk about how the Brighton and the Chelsea systems are very similar the way Brighton plays and kind of the 3 4 3, you know? Um, so, Chelsea. I think he just needs to see. We need to see rejuvenation of life, and he, some and and some some good play. I, I don't think he needs to win a trophy at that. Um, but because I think this this Chelsea team has enough on paper with a a good start to win the title. But um, which sounds crazy. But um, on the relegation side.
0: Yeah, Um, who are are your picks?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think those two, I would agree with you. Um, Bournemouth, Nottingham Forest. Watching them play a few games this season, it's hard for me to not pick Everton. They just have very little goal pop. Good structure. Very little goal pop. They seem to be outplayed most games. Um, So Everton would be my third. I don't... the, The only other team... Which I, I mean, I think it could be a really interesting relegation race. Um, wolves are one, which I think is an interesting potential. And obviously, you know, Southampton's so streaky, but I would, I would go with those three. Mm. Yep.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah,
0: everything. We got, we got some, some more, some more action at some point in the not too distant future when the games resume. Probably not this weekend. Probably next weekend. Yep. But Willie, it's yes. that time. You know yeah. it. You love it. You listening at home, wherever you are, you listening, you know what time it is. It's time for our hot take segment. I I only have one hot take and it's it's barely it's barely one, so I'll just go ahead and fire it off. Uh okay. the Dodgers in the 2020s are going to be bet it the same or comparable, if not better, than the twenties Yankees. As in, we will be talking about this team as baseball royalty for wow. forever.
1: Wow. You mean, wait, this team, specific team, or this like run they're on?
0: This run they're on. doesn't matter who the people are. I mean, Trey Turner could leave in free agency, um, but it doesn't matter who's wearing the Dodger uniform. But right now, the way the Dodgers are, they're going to be a very very good team for a very 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 long time and if if 2030 rolls around and it's just the one world series in 2020 it'll be categorized an absolute failure. Mm. I, I think yeah. because the wow. I, I've talked about this with friends who don't follow baseball as much but let me I'll, I'll I'll put it in a way that that makes as much sense as possible at least from my perspective. Mm-hmm. The Dodgers are playing money ball. Yes. With a limitless budget. Yes. The whole reason you play money ball is because you are on a budget. Ask the Oakland A's, ask the Tampa Bay Rays. The Red Sox played money ball without a budget. And they've won four World Series since nineteen since uh, two thousand four.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They've won four World Series in fifteen years, fifteen seasons. Yeah. That's that's a lot, Willie. That's a lot. And the Dodgers have even more money than the red Sox do Mm -hmm. so i'm saying 1920s new york yankees 2020s los angeles dodgers
1: with only one world series though
0: well this is this is predicated on them winning many many more world series Mm, okay and i think they will personally
1: wow that's a very strong um wow that's a very strong take on
0: oh. i don't think it's that hot of a take because look at how good they are and they, they it, it it never has felt like wow. they have in the in the dave roberts era they've only gotten better they have not regressed not one season is worse than the one before it in any way i mean obviously they've only won one world series in that time
1: there's one year they, they, they finished second division
0: wait since oh well okay but last year yeah but that was you know still that's they still made it to the championship series and they lost to the eventual world champions so i wouldn't call that a failure of a year
1: actually there's two not i think about i think there was two i think there was an, an earlier one as well they a few years ago they um they were in the wild card game as well but um
0: well, either way, either way, it may not be divisions. It's playoff appearances. It's World Series birds. It's World Series wins from now until the end of the 2020s.
1: Wow, and and you you so you think they're as good as the as those Yankees?
0: Yeah, or they? I think they could be.
1: That's very. Maybe we need to rephrase how we think about the Dodgers because. I think when everyone talks about baseball royalty, like they talk about Murderers Row, and they just talk about the Yankees. It's just the, the Yankees is like the dominance and nothing ever seems to
0: penetrate
1: yeah. those uh, beliefs.
0: Right. Uh, it's, and it's always 1920s Yankees. It's never like yeah. 1970s Yan- or 19, whatever it was, the 60s, 50s Yankees or the, the yeah. 2000s. It's the 1920s New York Yankees. Right. Ruth, Gehrig, etc.
1: I mean, that's. I mean, that's. People talk about those are the best teams of all time. So that yeah. that is a.
0: I think the Dodgers know. are going to be up there when it's all said and done. After it's this, when hard this hard decade's really. over. It was
1: the Dodgers' single best season over the Mattingly and Roberts era? Era like it was, probably it was last season, in the regular season.
0: Regular season it was last year. Yeah.
1: So it's tough to.
0: I'd say probably twenty seventeen
1: if we had to look okay 2017
0: yeah I'd say that that team is probably probably the best
1: yeah that was a incredible team as well yeah wow that's a very hot take because man I mean I have to go look back at the stats but the names on those 1920s teams in the Yankees like my gosh you know wow that is a very one of your bolder takes in my opinion you might not think so but I think it's an extremely bold take
0: Fair enough. Wow. Uh, I want to do this before before you give your take or multiple takes. Right. Let's yeah. look at the Yankees starters. Pat Collins, Lou Gehrig, Tony Lazari, Joe Duggan, Mark Kading, Earl Combs, Babe Ruth, Bob Musel. So wow. it's really just Ruth and Gehrig that stand out. But uh, I mean, these guys, uh, Gehrig had, had 47 homers. 174 175 RBIs in 155 games. Ruth had 60 homers, 164 RBIs in 151 games. Uh, hit 356. It, you know, there's it was, it was video game numbers.
1: No, video game numbers. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, swept the
0: Pirates in the World Series. And, you know,
1: it's an interesting. We have to go back and take a look because I, I have to know which stars were on which team. Which, but, but yeah, I mean that is an extremely bold take going.
0: That's my uh, that's my tape. I'm my take. Plus, and I'm sticking to you it. You were
1: just talking about Babe Ruth.
0: Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Not diminish that for a second. No one on the Dodgers comes close to Babe Ruth. Sorry, MVP Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts. So. Well, wow,
0: Joey Gallo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, getting, yeah. I'm getting. I'm getting. I'm getting.
1: I'm getting. Yeah, he's he's playing. He's hitting home runs like it'll be the show.
0: Yeah. That's, He's, all, I mean, is he, I, I, you know, obviously living in Southern California, I don't have access to Dodgers games cause I don't have cable, but is he still, uh, is he still striking out like all the time? Good
1: enough. Good enough. <laughs> but look, By the way, on look, a side note, the Dodgers now have an excellent broadcast. Excellent. excellent yes. Broadcast.
0: Yes. They have a top tier broadcast. Cause I think also, they, they, I was going
1: to, yeah, go
0: ahead. Uh, sorry. Before I forget, I was going to bring this up earlier. I do not mean to cut you off. I was going to bring this up earlier. The Mets broadcast is wildly overrated. The the production value of the broadcast is very very good. They have good producers. They have good people working on the physical production if, itself. If
1: it was so bad, then why would Ron Darling be on TBS's number one uh, analyst for their postseason?
0: So is Jeff Francoeur. Sure. Jeff Francoeur's on there too.
1: Yes, yes. And so they that, do, that, they doesn't, do. that doesn't that doesn't
0: inherently mean you're a good broadcast. Right. You're, you have good broadcasters. Here's, here's here's my beef with the Mets though as well. Mm. Gary Cohen ripped off Dwayne Kuyper and is not getting flack for it. His home run call is identical to Dwayne Kuyper. Yeah. Mm. Identical. He just gets high pitched and says it's out of here. That, there's nothing original with that. There's nothing good about that. And he's he's nauseating. He called out William Contreras for no reason, who then took Carlos Carrasco 450 to dead central. Like, yeah, that's why he's an all-star. Because he just took your guy 450 dead central. So <laughs> shut up. I, I can't stand that guy. It's just like, is your head that inflated because you're you're a New Yorker? Like, fine, whatever. But keep keep my keep my boy's name out your you know what mouth huh <laughs> it, it's just like it's so overrated I'm sorry he's not there's nothing original about Gary Cohen
1: I can't comment on whether he stole the home run call because I look, don't know look
0: up Dwayne Kuyper's home run call just look up Dwayne Kuiper home runs that's- bonds bonds hitting 756
1: hmm. well that's um that's a very interesting tick. I mean, wow. Okay. Yeah,
0: I, I don't, I don't, I don't like their broadcast at all. And Keith Hernandez is kind of just annoying. He's also kind of a dick. I'm not a huge
1: fan of Keith Hernandez. Like.
0: He's he's kind of a dick too. He's talking about the Phillies and their their defense It's just cool. like okay. I, I get it if you want to throw a little bit of shade at another team's broadcast or another team's another team, but like let's let's keep it classy now. Let's, let's have have a little bit of class as we do it. Oh, that's fair. You know, if Chip Carey is going to slander the Marlins, Chip Carey is not going to be, oh yeah, don't make me do, don't make me do Marlins games or like Jeff Francoe is going to do to have a one to one comparison. Jeff Francoe is not going to go, yeah, the Marlins are trash defensively. Like Keith Hernandez literally said, "Don't put me on Phillies broadcasts." And I was like, "I'm sorry, what? How inflated is your ego that you get to decide which broadcast you get to do? You have bosses. People are paying you. To be a color I commentator. I agree with that. That's, it's that's so arrogant. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't care how good of a player he was. I'm sorry. I don't care if he was, if he was Barry Bonds-esque. You know, I, it's so classless. Mm-hmm. So I, there's, there's my beef with the Mets broadcast. It's less the broadcast itself and more the broadcasters. The broadcasters are annoying.
1: Yeah. It's out of here! It's out no, of it's, here! It's going to be a broadcasts from the broadcasters, like the production. Yes, like the, the, way it's the
0: production value is very, very high, but also it's a New York broadcast. I, I'd be right. disappointed if it wasn't high. It's For the sure. number and one I, media I also, market. You should be.
1: No, totally. I, I agree. I, but yeah, because there are some games where you may not like the people as much, but the production can be really good, so it yes. could be fun. I mean, they
0: they have some shots of like like when Degrom is pitching. They have some where they overlay they overlay different camera angles, and it's it's real. It looks really really good. I will concede that. But man, if Gary Cohen is not annoying, and if Keith Hernandez isn't so is so arrogant. Also, by the way, Ron Darling, incredibly biased on national TV. You remember you remember Game Three, Dodger Stadium, Braves mm-hmm. Dodgers. When Bellinger hit that home run, we we obviously were there live, so we didn't ha- we didn't have to hear this, thankfully. You know what Ron Darling said? The minute Bellinger made contact, he was like, Yes,
1: yes. Yeah, that's not good. That's it's not
0: so good. trash. It's so bad, Willie. And I get so I you, so animated good. about this because I'm like the fact that he gets so many postseason games and so many national games should mean you're a good, unbiased national well, I'm analyst. Just
1: saying- you pay more attention to the bias than I do, but I just think Ron Darling's excellent at analyzing like the strategy, like and everything, and pointing and like making detailed, um, like pointing out things about how a players been performing and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Well, all I'm saying is, is Jeff Francoeur didn't say, "Hell yeah!" when the Braves won the won the pennant.
1: Look, if that's true, that's it's a bad look. no.
0: Watch the clip. It's a oh, horrible look. It's a horrible look. Yeah. And 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 it's it's not even that that one th- I mean I highlight that one thing just cuz it was it was a you know huge moment. But look at the giant the big course of work in that series where yep. Ron Darling is like openly celebrating every positive Dodgers thing that happened in the series. Mm-hmm. So it look, people praise the Mets broadcast fine. Praise the broadcast. Praise the people in the truck. The crew. The people who are actually calling the shots. Not the talking heads. Don't praise the talking heads please. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Like They're professionals. They do this for a living. I don't. Mm -hmm. They're better than I am. But (laughs) all I know is Gary Cohen's ripping off Dwayne Kuyper and not getting flack for it. Dwayne Kuyper's much better and much more established.
1: Well, Okay that's uh interesting i have to to look into that i didn't let me, know
0: let me give you let me give you a, a another little tidbit and then I'll, I'll i'll stop hogging the spotlight and give no, you no, your no, space no. for hot takes Go on,
1: please.
0: dwayne Kuiper is the dwayne Kuiper and mike kruko are the voices of mvp baseball 2005 william mm. the best baseball game ever made arguably the best sports game I ever made
1: 2004. I don't
0: mvp baseball 2005 play-by-play commentary dwayne Kuiper, mike kruko
1: you like that better? Kruk, yeah. Wow.
0: crook and Kype. They're really? the guys. They're, they're the guys.
1: Why'd you like MVP Baseball so much?
0: Because it's just objectively a great game.
1: Okay. Wow.
0: Just objectively.
1: I remember, um, like, I had it when I was a kid. And then I remember, you know, they stopped making it, I think. And then I remember going to, like, um, uh, GameStop, and they had, like, old used versions of of the old ones so then I, I bought it for a cheap price and i mean this is a while ago but yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah oh, look i i don't mean to get that animated and like i i again I get it they're professionals I'm not but i, I someone had to say it i'm sorry
1: Oh uh, that's yeah okay that's is it fair. is
0: it a brave's bias it very well could be it very well could be brave's bias but Gary Cohen, trash. Trash. Trash at play by play. Get a new trick. Get a new trick that's not someone else's home run call. Get a new color guy who won't openly disparage other teams <coughs> with with wow. that little class and, and get a guy who will actually be unbiased when he's on national television.
1: Well that's that's uh
0: sorry, not sorry.
1: Jeez.
0: All right, I'm done get... talking. Your turn. I,
1: that's a strong word for you might not like him but i i think he's a decent broadcaster
0: <laughs> somehow an all-star yeah watch this somehow an all-star taker guy 450 dead central on cue yeah. on I, cue that's fair that that's I, fair. I I mean just inject that straight into my veins on a daily basis i don't yeah. need to eat just just let me survive off of that moment
1: wow okay no that's interesting that's interesting <laughs> that's interesting yeah. And, wow. and and I, I,
0: last thing I'll say on broadcasts, and I know I'm I'm maybe more critical than most, but you know, coming from someone who pays attention to a lot of broadcasters, as a former aspiring former formerly aspiring broadcaster, I guess if that's even a word. Um, look, there are thirty different regional sports broadcasts in mm-hmm. Major League Baseball. There are thirty. There are also people who say the national nationally televised games the ESPNs Uh the new games on Peacock the Apple TV games etc there are people who say those broadcasts are like they don't like those broadcasts at all and I challenge those people to say well okay well look at your own home broadcast tell me
1: yeah I think
0: and tell me objectively it's better or worse because
1: I think national broadcasts are much better
0: yeah they are and people people don't realize that they don't realize how bad or how kind of you know how meh the average broadcast is.
1: Oh my gosh, you're telling me there are
0: some pretty atrocious ones.
1: I, I there there are some ones that I don't think are very good. Yeah, that's it's very true. I've already I talked about remember, one of them. And I remember when working, you know, at the MLB Network, just watching all these games, and I'm like, I wish some of these broadcasts were better. Like you know, like just straight up. And, like, yeah, like, what I will say is, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you on I just think the overall quality needs to improve. Like, when you step back, you re- they really need to improve. It's a different conversation to be, you know, yes. Like, I guess you could say, well, all that matters is that the local fans like them. But ultimately, I think... Um, I agree
0: with you yeah and and the the final 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 thing i'll say willie before you do your hot takes i'm sorry i keep oh, i keep no, just no, no, being funny. a dickhead about this go ahead, go ahead. the final thing i'll say about this and i've hammered this point so many times in previous episodes so many times before we need to improve the quality of rsn broadcasts and the accessibility of rsn broadcasts for people in the same market who don't have cable mm-hmm. it's not that hard if you want to grow the game streaming and there's an audience get rid of blackouts get rid of blackouts mm-hmm. i'm sorry rsn's are not going to survive mm-hmm. and everyone knows it every person in a media broadcast industry or a uh, role company Etc. Everyone mm-hmm. knows it. It's just a question of when. And I get it. There's yeah. complex legal agreements. There's financial obligations. I get it. I get it. I'm not, I don't, I'm not privy to how, the, how it works. But as a fan, totally. the number of times I've looked at that pop-up that says, this game is blacked out in your area, and wanted to scream, is through the roof. Because what happens when the Dodgers, the first place Dodgers... The record-setting Dodgers play against Shohei Ohtani and Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. I can't watch the game at home, even if I have some over the t- some uh, some digital cable provider like YouTube TV or Hulu. With like you know, I, I can't. So that's that's got to change. It's got to change. It's it's really 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 got to change. I mean, and and there's there's a great example too. For LA, look, LA, it's whatever. But in Iowa, there are in in where the where the Field of Dreams game is every year. There mm. are six different teams that are blacked out in Iowa. Six teams, really, are blacked out. Six. six so if you want to watch baseball, if you want to watch any one of those six teams, what's
1: you better have cable. What six teams?
0: I think it's both Chicago teams. I want to say Detroit, Cincinnati, Cleveland. Wow! I'm trying. What what other team? Milwaukee, maybe?
1: Because they're so close to. Yeah,
0: because they're all because it's kind of. I mean, that's that would be my best guess, but accessibility is a big problem in baseball and i, I Six
1: is are blacked out that's crazy
0: yeah i mean that's a lot of baseball
1: wow see so you in other words yeah you can't watch them on national tv you're gonna yeah have to.
0: you gotta have you gotta have cable you know and cable is expensive
1: They're very I expensive
0: i don't think people realize how expensive cable is and to have you I feel know. Like,
1: by the way what the nba does where like they actually sell games on an individual um Basis, no matter where you are. Really, I believe, but yes, I, I agree with you. Ultimately, this and the NBA, to be fair though, is still, um, predicated on. So I agree. Ultimately, this this problem with RSNs in general, or if you want to watch your local team, you have to have cable. It's it's really messed up. On it's super messed up and given how regional some of these sports are it's it's really terrible just really really terrible because the team the people that don't live there likely aren't going to care nearly as much mm-hmm. or the teams that live there might watch every day so
0: yeah, totally so agree. i'm looking at a map right now it looks like the teams that are blacked out to the best of my knowledge in that area mm-hmm. are the chicago teams mm-hmm. milwaukee minnesota st louis and I think there's one more, Kansas City. Wow. From a geographic perspective, those look like the six teams that are blacked out in that area. That's crazy. I, I can't. I can't imagine having to deal with that as a baseball fan. I mean, you know, I, I had the luxury of growing up in the South, where you know you got to watch the Braves, the Braves, or the Braves. Go Braves! Um, but it's it's wild to me. It's just wild.
1: That's, that's, that's terrible. Oh, that's so terrible. It's so bad for the sport. Yeah. So bad for the sport. So,
0: anyways, yeah. enough negativity. Give me your hot takes, Willie.
1: Yeah, got a couple, but really the, the only one I think is worth is, we were talking before about, um, I think for the listeners, we will do a whole. Podcast about the live golf PJ tour. I think you can spend hours talking about it. There's a lot to pick through. And I, you know, have preface all my comments by saying I obviously don't support all the human rights abuses. I, um, it's really terrible. Um, that being said, um, most of the live golf stuff, um, my thoughts are negative. There are some positives, but most negative. But I, I guess the hot take of, of the day is I, um, I, like, you know, and I don't even know if this is a hot take, depends on what you think, but, um, you know, <laughs> the even Rory McIlroy has acknowledged that Phil Mickelson was right about some things. And um, I, I just, my hot take is I just, I don't even know if it's a hot take, but to me, PJ Tor looks so bad that To me, that all of a sudden they can change their their the structure of the tour and increase the player earnings in various ways so much. Like I understand maybe they're using some from the reserves, but to be honest, I really feel like PJ Tour, you know, kind of got their bluff called. I mean, I just the whole point of like where where the you know where that uh, where did that money come from it's just like to me I'll take is that the PJ Tour just looks so bad that all of a sudden golfers leave and now they can just decide they want to pay players more like yeah. they, it seems very disingenuous to me to be no. Honest.
0: yeah no I, I, I agree and, and I've actually heard this before where the PJ Tour actually relative to other non-profits does not give as much as they as much as you would think they're not as charitable as you'd think so they have they have quite a bit of money so it's just a question of of allocating yeah. it properly and and keeping keeping their membership happy
1: and that and that and I will say that's uh right and that and how they should spend their money is one thing but I I I can't help but think that I do feel bad for Phil mukelson in that sense of You know he he like all of a sudden now the guys leave and now they pay their players more it's like i find it hard to believe that the pj tour would increase purses to this level if wasn't for him
0: i mean okay that's that's fair and all but let me jump in with phil specifically when it comes to money um phil is a hall of famer Phil is a multiple major champion. Phil is one of the most established names in golf, if not sports in America. Yeah. I don't feel an ounce of pity for him.
1: Well, I I, I would say...
0: Like, okay, yeah, he he was right in principle. But the fact that he was A, the first one to jump ship to that degree, and then B, he starts playing victim because he decided to jump ship first... Like, come on, dude, let's have a little bit of consistency and a little bit of self-awareness. Like, read the room a little bit first, before you decide to open your mouth repeatedly about this thing that you know is very questionable and has a lot of lot of red flags.
1: It's there's a lot of red flags human uh, analogy and, and yeah, there's a lot I, I agree with everything that you just said, and so feeling bad, you know. Yeah, it's obviously you know, when you're all always making that much money even before he we went to live, it's hard but you know, look, he, he took a fair bit of criticism for really he wouldn't have left probably in the first place, right, if, if the PJ tour did raise their purses to this level. Maybe maybe not, maybe not. But I, I guess I just it 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 really seems to me that, I mean, we can get into all the, I mean, there's so much to say, but it really just seems to me that, you know, like it's it's hard to not, for the PGA Tour to not look bad in that respect to me. Yeah. It's like, you know, like, yeah, that's
0: all. Yeah, I, I don't think the PGA Tour looks good at all. I mean, yeah. for, for them to mysteriously respond in this way after this kind of pressure, I mean, to me, and and this isn't necessarily a hot take because I think it, this is a, a more consensus. So I didn't share in the in my hot take segment. But really, I think it's a question of just the the tour needed a disruption from somewhere. I hate that it came in this form, but it needed a disruption in in some capacity.
1: Sure, I I, I would say. I mean, we can. I don't know. I you could argue it needed a disruption. It probably did, but that. I, from a, as a viewer, I, I don't think, I, I don't think it's good. Like it's one of those weird things where it needed a disruption. It needed a competition, but I don't think the changes on, all I don't think we're coming out of it with a better game.
0: No, 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 no.
1: It, 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 needed, it needed a competition. Right.
0: Sure. Right. Sure. And, but here's the thing though, here's the thing, Willie, and this is kind of one of the hot button topics for this week uh, you know at least before they suspended play for for friday uh mm-hmm. this this is the thing with live live is a complete and total clown show as far as the format is concerned
1: mm-hmm.
0: nobody cares about the team format if you ask people what do you think about the team format it's like oh it's an idea i guess but like it doesn't really mean all that much i mean it means a lot for players as far as how much money they take home outside of their appearance fee and their contract but to not be able to get world golf ranking points which is kind of the lifeblood of of any golfer who wants to play in major championships Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then to not get them at, from live events and then go to a, a, a competing tour event, a DP World oh, Tour, a PGA Tour, oh, they can't do PGA Tour, but like a DP World Tour or an Asian Tour event. To do that, to get world ranking points is so embarrassing to me mm-hmm. because it, it, it demonstrates a complete and total lack of self-awareness and mm-hmm. awareness of the scenario. We're not asking people to say, Uh, no uh, I'm not going to apologize for what I did no one's asking you to apologize people Mm -hmm. are asking you to be aware of it be aware of the fact that what you're doing constitutes a number of red flags that people have said are red flags now do you have to listen to them absolutely not you're in this for the money Harold Varner the third I think had the best explanation when it came to talking about it he said generational wealth Mm -hmm. that's fair if someone came up to you right now and offered you half a billion dollars, I'm sure you're not going to say, I mean, no one was really offered that kind of money except for Tiger, but still, even even if you're offered $50 million up front, how are you going to say no to that? That's, that's life-changing money. Yeah. So I get it. It makes sense, but we're not asking for a full-blown apology or what have you. Just to acknowledge say, that it's a money it's, move.
1: You always, you can always say no because of the human rights. Um, it is much, definitely much easier if you don't come. Like it, it's much easier to say no if you already come from. You have so much money. Yeah, you know? So. Right. Yeah, but totally, I, I I would agree with with what you just said about the world ranking points and and the format, and um, you know, part of it. We can really dive into it, and you know, part of it is, um, you know, kind of wacky and in and, and some a little bit of a fun way, and then part of it's like, wow, this is like not good at all, and um, like, wow, like players, you signed up for this, so you know that that's a that's a yeah, it's I, I agree with you, and it's a really interesting thing, but. Um, I definitely don't like what's happened here. It's it's uh, it's um, yeah. And and, and uh, last thing I want to say before I move on to the last one, but I, I I, the one thing that's like immediately relevant for this specific one minute, because there's so much to say, is like you know, I think the whole reading the room, I I, thing, is so true, and I just. I I think a lot of people are upset and I think, you know, a lot of people would be better off, you know, choosing their words kind of, particularly a lot of live golfers would be, you know, wise to read the room when they, given the way things are right now.
0: Yeah. And and like Willie said, folks, we are going to spend quite a bit of time diving into this because I think it is worth talking about from a societal standpoint, from a sports standpoint, from a golf standpoint. So yeah. we'll dive into that at some point in the not too distant future. But uh, yep. Willie, your other, your other take, my good man.
1: I've, I've said that the Braves are my pick to win the world series. And I agree. I just think that um, we're going to get into the playoffs and realize that the Dodgers are, are overrated.
0: You were saying that's not a hot take.
1: I, I think so. What? <laughs> Boy, plus game. not overrated. But to be fair, I just want to say, yeah. Like in other words, I just I don't believe in the team is built for the playoffs. So, no doubt they've been an incredible regular season team. But if we're going to judge by the postseason, I just don't think the postseason is going to go well for the team. Wow.
0: That is a bold, bold take. I mean...
1: But I, I think I think this could be a situation... Yeah. Yes.
0: Oh, I, my God.
1: I said, I, look, I if the Braves play them, I pick them to beat them. And um, even if they don't have to play the Braves, I don't think it's going to go... Extremely smoothly for the team That's what I'd say
0: I mean look Is it a bold take? Yes. Is it a hot take? Burning. Wow. Do I agree? Absolutely not (laughs) I mean, I mean look Look, I mean, (laughs) I don't even know where to start. They have a close to 300 run differential. Yes, they do. The lineup is deeper than any lineup in baseball. Mm -hmm. They have the experience of winning in October. They have an MVP candidate in Mookie Betts. Uh They have a lockdown bullpen. Yeah. They have starting pitching to get around and to get through enough of a game to get to the lockdown bullpen. Yeah, I don't know where the flaw is. Yeah, I just don't.
1: If anything, if you want
0: to nitpick the rotation, fine. But mm-hmm. in a best of seven, it's all hands on in, in I, the playoffs. It's all hands on deck. It's not starters, relievers, etc. The
1: flaw comes on the pitching side. That's that's where I'm really going with it. But uh, well,
0: yeah. I I guess I mean wow.
1: Yeah, that's uh. That's just how I feel.
0: We'll see. See, I don't even feel like we need to add commentary on top of that. I think that's just we'll, we'll just let the take simmer until our next episode, and then we'll we'll dive back into it, uh, especially when we get to the postseason.
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely, absolutely. Um, um <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? I can't remember the last time I've had such a range of emotions recording one of these podcasts, Willie. But thank you. This is this has been good. This is this is yeah. what Hot Takes Only is about. No problem. But, folks, speaking of hot takes only, that is that is going to do it for our show, barring any last-minute thoughts from from really Any last-minute searing hot takes.
1: No, I don't have any last-minute searing hot takes.
0: <laughs> oh, unbelievable. I, I love it. I love the boldness of these takes. Folks, this has been episode 51 of Hot Takes Only. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can get this podcast anywhere you get your own podcast. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anchor.fm slash hot takes only. In addition to, of course, anywhere else you get your podcasts. We will be back next week. Same time, same place, folks. You know where to find us.
1: Until then, thanks for listening. I appreciate you all. We all.